Hi everyone, this is Off Meta, a podcast about Star Wars, X-Wing, and anything I really care about. I'm Steven, aka Rathos, your host, and today I'm joined by Cameron Murray. Cam is a longtime friend of mine and probably the best player in Canada by result. With countless top cut finishes and deep runs at Worlds, he is the current Galactic Champion as well as the captain of the Canadian XCC team, which won in 2022 and recently took third in 2023. Cam, welcome to the podcast. Oh, thanks for having me. Uh, I think Brendan may actually be the the best player in Canada by results. I absolutely maybe not refuse. international results. Nope, I absolutely refuse to accept <laughs> that as as possible. It. it is. <laughs> nope, it's definitely oh, you. Oh man, do we do we start off with the hottest take of all, and we just say that Brendan's gonna win worlds this year? No, no, I refuse. Seems like I refuse to I refuse to accept this reality. I do not I, acknowledge I, that I will, as a possibility. <laughs> I will never acknowledge this possibility. <laughs> oh, that'd be that'd be a great a great time actually. It'd be a very fun time for X-Wing if Brendan won worlds. I mean <laughs> I think I think that who if it's if anyone from Canada wins worlds, that'll be that'll be an upset in and of itself. That'll be people will be I mean, livid. There are never enough of us going. Um and like the 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 reality is still that like the highest echelons of our players just don't travel, like your Evan Camerons don't travel, generally. Do you know what I mean? Sure. About, and like I mean, Kaylin gets down to Worlds now, which is nice. But like before, yes. it was always up in the air. Yes, but I, I'm what I'm saying is that like if any Canadian wins, I mean, look, the the U.S. couldn't take it when XTC won in 2022 when Canada won in they couldn't that, take that's it. Very true. It like literally, they literally the next year decided to like get super uber serious. Way, way, way more serious. Way more serious. <laughs> as soon as as soon as Canada won, like it just, it like, just oh. oh, out of nowhere. It's like Weird. if if the U.S. if the U.K. wins or if Germany wins or France wins, America's like whatever. It's fine. As soon as Canada Whatever. takes it, this cannot stand. We must win now. <laughs> this cannot stand. Clearly, we must be the the top North American nation. <laughs> yes. Yes. So, so if Canada won Worlds, I think there'd be riots in the streets. Um, <laughs> I I don't know about riots in the streets, but we there'd might... definitely be uh, some posts on on some discords. We about we it. might not make it out of Chicago if 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 Canada. Oh, wins. I think I think we'd make it out of Chicago, but uh. Yeah, mostly because we have a lot of European friends. Or at least oh, I have a lot of European friends. Good true. luck, Steven. <laughs> no, I mean, I have Bartosh. That's good enough for me. That's fair. That's fair. I did I did actually, last year, make friends with the current world champ while we were... That's cool. Like, we were in line to get, in line to get our badges, and I met him then. And then he won Worlds. That was pretty dope. I've... I've not actually met Nicholas God. Uh, he he was playing. Uh, he and I have like very similar like list building concepts though, because uh, we independently came out with the same outcome in 2.0 of hey, what if we brought like uh, Justero Tarani with the cluster missiles thing with um, uh, Gargor? So you do like the cluster missile cancel into Gargor, and then like uh, you shoot twice with Tarani, trigger Gargor, and then Justero. Right. For like all the memes. So what you're saying is both of you have degenerate brains. Uh yeah, absolutely. hundred <laughs> percent. But me... as to a similar vein, actually, uh I met Simeon Del Pina and I became friends with Sim the year he won. 
because he was a good friend. Well, he became he was a huge fan of Eric Z. I don't know if you do you remember Eric Z from I uh, remember the PTL? Him. I remember Eric. Z. Yeah, yeah. So Eric Z and I actually went down to Worlds in 2018 together, and we're the only people who went. Like there was like I think total of 10 Canadians maybe at Worlds, like between I think it was 10 10 to 15 Canadians total at Worlds, uh, that year. And like apparently Sim had been following Eric Z online with Eric Z's like painting vlog, like blog or whatever. Mm. And Eric Z had been following Sim, like Sim's painting blog as well. So like it was a super fun experience because they both were just like, they both like, oh my god, you're Eric Z. Oh my god, you're Simeon Delpina. Like I'm such a huge fan of you. And it was it was very funny to watch. Oh my gosh. Uh, it it was it was the, the yeah, like literally the best painting bros ever. Do you but think that, was very that um do you think that like uh do you think that like the friendships at Worlds are like the best thing about X Wing? Yeah, absolutely, man. I mean like yeah. the friendships with the international community is absolutely the best thing about X Wing. By by far. Like um mm. I I to this day I still have friends that like uh from from the UK that I see like once a year at Worlds. Right. But like we always hang out at Worlds. Always. Right. Is that is but that like, like is that like a good enough justification to go? So like let's say like you didn't have an invite, but you were like, I'm still gonna go and maybe get in, but guys, I just want to see my friends. I mean, for for me, yeah, absolutely. Sure. I don't. I I hope I never have to make that decision though. <laughs> I, it's one of those things where for me, like the finances are still tight enough where I'm like, eh, if I didn't have the invite, do I want to play like potentially 15 rounds of X Wing over three days? Like, I don't know, man. I, I mean, would I, I would that. I like to go and hang out at Adepticon with my friends? Absolutely, like one hundred percent. You know, I mean, fifty games ain't so bad, actually. Oh yeah, okay. When it's sure. only five games a day, it's actually it was it was totally fine. I mean, it's totally fine for you. Uh, it's, I, I think it's totally I, fine I, for anyone. I felt so I felt so dead after day two, like so dead after day two. You just weren't disciplined enough, like I was. You gotta, you gotta <laughs> Clear, be disciplined. Clearly, you gotta be disciplined. Clearly. I'll tell I'm you. Lacking in discipline. <laughs> so this is my regimen at Worlds, right? I, I, uh, we start the rounds at eight thirty. So I'm up at I'm up at like seven or whatever, getting ready and like you know, nice yep. and easy, early. Get in, get a quick breakfast in. I'm rolling in. We start the day out. I do the five rounds, right? We're done. Immediately decide who I'm going to have dinner with, right? Go have dinner. Mm-hmm. Straight to the hotel room. Quick, like decompress. Straight to bed. Up for the next day, I get a full eight eight hours. Like I don't even do that in my <laughs> my regular life. And for I was doing this for I the mean, tournament. Yeah, the, the irony is like I also do do that in my regular life, but I also did that for the tournament, and I was still dead. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. Uh, I no, guess... this, this is this is just a me thing. It's, <laughs> I I just don't like I don't do well like playing tournaments back to back with that because it's essentially like ten rounds of Swiss is like playing two back to back tournaments. Yeah. And like I used to do that a lot in 1.0 mm-hmm. uh when i had like slightly less things going on in my life and there were actually mm-hmm. like occasionally two tournaments a weekend that i could go to um but yeah like recently i don't know it's just like i get i feel like i get mental burnout faster you know six six seven years later okay. <laughs> which is um, fair i look it is it is what it is um i think uh, I would like to talk to you about prep as a as a as a main topic for today. Prep? Oh boy, is this what what kind of prep? I mean, the kind I of think... prep that you never do for this podcast, or the uh, kind of prep that you never do for tournaments? Which kind? 
I prep for tournaments. I prep for worlds. <laughs> this is you prep for worlds, but do you prep for normal tournaments, Steven? Do you no. do you do serious tournament prep? No, absolutely not. No, sorry, okay. my tournaments are prep for worlds. <laughs> no, there, there it is. There it yeah. is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, um, this, this is like the conversation I, I used to have with like my my league mates in GRX, which is, hey, uh, I would like to like you know teach people about turn zero. Does anyone want to learn about turn zero? Nah, we're good. So <laughs> like, wow. Well, so that. so the the prep. So the prep. The reason why I want to talk about prep. I think nobody. Well, that's probably not true, but I feel like nobody is better at it uh, than you are, or at least at least publicly better. Like maybe there's like you know, Duncan Howard may be like in a secret dungeon that we don't know about it, and he's like doing him in, in incredible reps. But I mean, he t he told me he wasn't on the podcast, so uh, I feel like it's you. Um, and so that's that's very interesting that you say that actually. And now I'm very curious. So I would like you, uh, before we get in, like go into this, I would like you to define prep. Um. So prep is in, as in, like the process of getting ready, getting, getting, uh, getting prepared, as the word is, uh, for uh, a major event, right? That that whole okay. process, right? And I'm not just talking about the reps of X-wing, but I'm talking about like the analysis and the uh, and the and the um kind of like uh mental mental stuff that you have to do and then also the um uh like the homework that's required right uh looking at looking at pattern analyzer or looking at the the uh, the term results in other events and like making judgment calls i feel like you're really good at it yeah, that's that's probably a fair assessment. Yeah. Um, in this points update, though, I would say that there is less prep for me to even exploit. Sure. In the current, but we're not talking about. But it, we're not talking but about. But in that. past we're iterations, in, in past iterations of the game, yeah, absolutely. I'm talking about. Um, I'm talking about. I'm talking about as a process, as because like because this sure. these podcasts are meant to not be relevant to any specific meta. So I so okay. you should be able to take what you what you do and how you do to help someone who doesn't know how to do, you know? Sure, sure. So let's let's start at the very beginning. Right. Which for, for me comes zero. down to rock place. <laughs> it, it's not what no no no. This is way before this. So okay. the first the first thing is you have to know what tournament you're going to and what you expect to do at said tournament. Mm -hmm. So for, for me, uh, often my goals at tournaments are I want to make day two because mm -hmm. I have usually have very low expectations for myself at major tournaments because I really, for the most part, like I have to go in for myself personally. I have to go in with a mindset of like, I'm not trying to win this like 400 player event or whatever. Not that those are like a huge thing anymore. But I'm going in because I want to get like a prize usually. And so my goal is whatever prize that happens to be. So like for example, uh when I top forward the system open in what was it, twenty seventeen? It was the Boba template one. I wanted the Boba Fett templates. That's what I wanted. I wanted sure. the, the Boba Fett templates. Sure. But I also wanted brand. all the cards. Because I wanted all the cards too, because like they had all the cool bounty hunter cards and stuff. So I went to the tournament wanting the token like all the cool shield tokens and stuff 
cards and the templates. And so, like, my goal isn't to win the tournament. I don't care about winning the tournament. That's cool. That'd be cool. But, like, that's not what I'm after. But it's always important to start with y your expectations first because that decides all your decision-making afterward. For example, if I was going to have fun, I would choose a list that I was going to play to have fun with, right? Which is the next step of this process. So after I decide what I'm trying to do, let's say I'm going to try to win worlds, okay? Well, let's think about what winning worlds would look like currently. So currently, if I want to win worlds, I would go and look at all the meta sites, and I would pick whatever list has the highest win rate, both by itself and against the field in general. And I would use those meta-analysis websites to make an educated guess at what I think the field is going to look like in terms of like what percentage is going to be Han for, as a current example, or what percentage is going to be Arcs, what percentage is going to be like FOACs, what percentage is going to be Rack. And I would go, okay, so based on that, what list do I want to bring that's going to give me the best chance to win my way through Swiss and at least make it to like the elimination rounds where it becomes much more of a chance draw on like what scenario I get, what opponent I'm playing or whatever. So my goal at that point is I want to pick a list that's going to get me through Swiss the easiest. Right? But if my goal was to like make day two, then I'm just going to take the list that has the highest win rate. Because odds are, I play five games. If I take the highest win rate archetype, I probably win enough to make day two. Yeah. Does that make sense? I think you're muted, by the way. Whoops. That hasn't had never happened before. Um, Nailed it. Uh, so, yeah. No, that, that does make sense, right? So, uh, I think that I think that most people, you know, that makes a lot of logical sense, right? Um, but let's say, like, your goal is uh, to do that without having to to select one of the meta lists, right? So at, at that point, uh, I don't think the current meta is great for that. But previous metas have mm -hmm. let you do what I like to call making silver bullets. Yes. Uh, and basically, uh, this is something that I used to be very good at in 1.0 mm -hmm. and to a lesser extent 2.0, where mm -hmm. I would look at the meta lists and I would go, okay, I expect to see like this percentage of lists to be meta lists. Let's say it's like 50-ish percent or more than 50%. It's going to be like meta archetypes. Mm -hmm. Can I build a list in a faction that I like, usually scum, uh, that can beat these five lists consistently. Mm -hmm. And in 1.0, for me, that was Chewy Miranda, because I expected to see a ton of Imperial Aces everywhere. So I brought a ship that relies on running around and like slam, like slam mining people with Sabine for mm -hmm. auto damage mm -hmm. into a field that had what's like flying 12 total health on the field. Mm -hmm. And a second ship that is basically unkillable. Mm -hmm. So they have no hope of winning that matchup. It's like rock, paper, scissors in that at that point. So I now have a silver bullet against like roughly a third of the field. That's a huge right. leg up in terms of what I'm doing. But this also comes now into 2.0, where I was playing Boba Fenn. 
and the reason Boba Fett worked was because it was I was silver bulleting the same selection of lists mm-hmm. by having gigantic bids and beating the aces at their own game, essentially. Right. And so that lets you get into this weird aspect of like you're building your own list that counters the current meta based on either how you're playing it, what upgrades you're bringing, or if you have specific strategies to counter things that are very known quantities. Mm-hmm. And as long as you like go in with the expectation of, hey, if I run into the other matchups that this list isn't good at, I'm either going to lose or I need to have a very good strategy in order to like have even footing there. Right. Then like you'll probably have an okay time. Mm-hmm. Uh, in two five, this came about really with the uh, the advent of like the Canaan nonsense with Rook, uh, which is which is my Galaxy's win, where my prep is. The thing that I prepped the most for that was all my opening strategies with Rook. Uh, but the big one was Assault, because the entire premise of the opening was to park Rook in between three uh, objective points for, like, three straight rounds. Yeah. And if my opponent wasn't prepared for it, I score nine points, and that's basically just game over. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. So let, let's, let's, let's go, like, down that ra- rabbit hole a little bit, right? Like, so you... So let's say you find this list and it's silver belt. You said you need to have good strategies and matchups for, um, for you know, uh, lists that are you're not silver bulleted for, right? Exactly. Then, how does that how does that look? Like, what are you doing there specifically? So uh, let's go into a slightly uh, more specific example. So like in the in the Canaan Rook, like Canaan Rook Boba thing, mm-hmm. your worst matchups are like resistance beef. Mm-hmm. And like anything with a high ship count that takes a long time to kill because you have only three shots around. Sure. So then this develops into a weird, a very awful strategy, which I personally hated doing. But essentially the strategy that you have to go for there is instead of trying to shoot down one target, mm-hmm. you literally take the shots that will do the most damage per round. And anyone who knows anything about X-Wing will tell you splitting fire is objectively wrong in X-Wing. Mm-hmm. And I think you'd agree with that statement as a broad a broad generalization. Sure, yeah. However, if you only get to shoot basically two shots a turn, like two real shots a turn, mm-hmm. or maybe three real shots a turn, if you can deal, if your option is I deal two damage to one ship, or three damage to one ship, or mm-hmm. I do two damage to three ships, so I do three damage to one ship or two damage to three ships. So I'm doing, I'm basically saying if I do, I have the option to do three to one or I do six damage overall spread across mm-hmm. the list. Yeah. Eventually you come to the realization that because you have too few shots to focus down targets, mm-hmm. you are forced to soften all targets equally and then try to play into an end game where you can start removing bodies on a ridiculously fast scale, like on a, on a silly time, time frame. Yeah. And so... In Galaxies, what ended up happening was I played four games where I won the game on like turn seven or eight okay. with a 13 or like with, with a, between a 10 and a 13 point swing okay. turn where I kill three ships that were on like two or three health. Right. And then I win the game from there. The problem with that strategy, though, is it's obviously very like it's very um, what's the word I'm looking for? You're basically playing a razor's edge game because if your opponent sure. can like 
out if your opponent can run away from you well enough and still score objective points like none of your ships are like this also goes on the premise that like none of your ships can die really if you're doing that um because like if your opponent runs just runs away and tries to that objective you if they successfully do that you will still lose but if you manage to pull it off it gives you an even way and a way of winning into a matchup you're not favored in sure and then but and that strategy now that you have an even matchup into those lists if your opponent doesn't play it out specifically because if they don't realize what you're doing they're not going to understand the counterplay to it and this is the the big thing is that a lot of these strategies that let you win games you shouldn't with mm -hmm. lists that are teched a hundred percent against other things mm -hmm. are strategies that your opponent doesn't see uh from the beginning of the game they're unexpected and they have to be because if your opponent knows what you're trying to do they have the agency to stop you in most cases right so a lot of the time what you're doing is you're you're riding on the unexpected value of a list that people are unfamiliar with and then exactly and leveraging that to to get a favorable position exactly it's the if my opponent's never seen my list before and they don't understand what my upgraded cards do then i have the advantage because only i understand my win con and my opponent does not so if i'm playing with an unknown win condition and my opponent's playing with a known win condition i am still favored in the matchup or i should have a 50 50 especially if they don't play around my unknown win condition right so right. you if you don't know your opponent's win condition in a matchup like this is something that's very basic and it's like super good to prep for for tournaments specifically is knowing all of the meta archetypes win conditions yeah because there are win conditions like for example uh if han is untouched like four or five rounds into the game that is a win condition for a han list if uh you play against uh five x-wings and there are still four or five x-wings on the table at the end of round four that is a win condition for playing five x-wings like and so on and so forth right right if you're playing the padme the padme arcs if all three arcs are still on the table and they're still decently healthy at the end of round four that's a win condition for the arcs mm -hmm. and like knowing that that's a win condition lets you counter that win condition but if you didn't know that was a win condition your decision making is going to be skewed and you're going to try to play something like play to a win condition that you might think exists but doesn't sure. like for example this is this comes into like that everyone tries to shoot padme in the padme arcs uh, mm -hmm. archetype right yeah. so when it first came out it was like oh well why wouldn't i shoot padme and my response is well born for this is basically giving her uh three focuses and her own evade token mm -hmm. uh and as it turns out that's a lot of focuses sure and like if you don't kill her based on variance like you've lost a round of shooting into a what four point piece like three point yeah. piece or something ridiculous and then your opponent gets to unload with all the arcs and yeah gee you lost the exchange like the padme because... the padme example only makes sense if you can a have four dice or more to shoot with that still mm -hmm. two dice are like not as so the the tokens are not as valuable um and mm -hmm. b um don't take return fire so you're arc dodging in most cases indeed and this is the this is the part it's like there are qualifiers to when you should do certain things mm -hmm. and if you don't understand that your win con is probably if you kill all three arcs that list doesn't do damage 
Yeah. So if you remove damage from the list and you're flying basically any of the top archetypes, like removing damage from a list, if your list if their list can no longer kill your list in a reasonable time frame, you've usually won the game unless you're getting incredibly outscored on objectives. Mm -hmm. Um yeah. so like knowing that going forward, this is why the uh Boba Kanan list caused such problems for people, is because uh there's no like the correct target priority. For everyone was always very skewed because everyone assumed the correct target was Kanan at all right. times. Right. Which was almost never the case because shooting Kanan with Maul just gives me the force back when you shoot me, which means yeah. I get to use more force and reduce more attacks. Which means overall, you actually take more attacks to kill my list than if you were to say, shoot everything into Rook and kill Rook because I only get to spend two Kanan charges in the first turn. And then one on the second turn for three mm -hmm. total spends, as opposed to if you shot Kanan and I got to spend it like four times with Maul, for yeah. example. Yeah. And like it doesn't it doesn't seem like it would cause that much of a swing in like percent like win percentage, but it really does. Like over and especially over like a number of games. Yeah. And so like analyzing your win conditions is should always be part of your prep. And then planning for um scenarios that you know you are weakest into mm -hmm. is the other part of that and right. obviously this gets into like my favorite thing is silver bullet list building not really a thing anymore and like so my one of my favorite elements was like literally building a list that goes i am literally rock to your scissors i win this matchup every time sure do you and do you feel like um do you feel like that that type of list building I mean, obviously, it's your favorite type of list building, but do you think that like that type of list building was necessarily uh, a good thing for the game? Because um, oh, I no. know, like in well, general, no. rock paper scissors, like rock paper scissors as a as a meta is kind of frustrating for a lot of people. Um, oh, it's it's incredibly frustrating, and like in my opinion, it's terrible gameplay. I just enjoyed playing it. Sure, because generally speaking, I would be like one of the only people playing like scissors for example and everyone else is playing like rock or paper right. and so part of the fun for me was the fact that i just basically uh brain off i win against paper every time and then like i have strategies that potentially counter rock right and then i have har much harder matchups into it but it, with the strategies if i win then like i i feel like i've won like the tournament at that point just winning against that matchup is right. it good for the game hell no not a chance uh I don't think the game should ever return to a place where I can win games without ever putting a list on the table. Sure. Right? Okay. Like, I, I shouldn't be winning the game before we even, like, put our ships down. That shouldn't be a thing. Right. That happens. Right. And it, that absolutely did happen in right. 1.0 and 2.0, where you go into a game, I'm sure you played those games too, where you, you set up, you already know you won because you have the bid, and they're playing, like, a 3i5 list, and you're like, well, here's my 3i6 list, or whatever, right? Yeah. Like, where they're playing the same archetype, but they're they're you but worse, essentially, yes. right? Right. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah. I I don't think there's a place for that in X-wing anymore. Okay. Well, that I mean, that, I mean, good. I guess good. Good to hear. I agree with you. I, obviously. <laughs> um. <laughs> I, I'm just saying it's it was very fun when you got to play it, but also it's it's still fun for one. 
Like, do you know what I mean? Look, look, man. I, I sometimes play... single player games are fun. Look, man. I, I play. I played Poe for the almost the entire tournament career. So <laughs> there was a brief window when 2.0 came out where I was unable to fly Poe because he was not in the game yet. So I flew Luke instead. Um, <laughs> but I basically, I basically only ever. I mean, I flew lots of other ships, but I've only ever flown Poe in like tournaments, um, which is funny. Yeah. I, I've branched out over the years. Uh, I used to fly Chewie Miranda basically exclusively on 1.0. And then yeah. for a long time in 2.0, I played pretty much only Boba Fenn. Yes. And now in 2.5, I played like four different factions. Yes. Uh, to varying degrees of success. Right. Uh, but I, Scum's still my favorite. Uh, maybe they'll be playable someday. I mean, <laughs> we could hope. At, at a high tournament level. Sure. Yeah. Uh, um... Uh, so look look let's let's get into the um uh the next part which is like okay so like you've done a lot of theory crafting now which is like okay i've done the analysis i've looked at the list i've I've figured out like okay it's like this is good this is good i've got strategy against certain things um developing those strategies though like actually developing them and putting them on the board like you know obviously at, at this point you just know a lot of stuff because you just you know, you've been playing since 1.0, you have a lot of reps, you have everything, but, you know, for a general person, like, I would think that, like, the, like, the, 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 the average walkthrough is essentially, like, okay, you need to understand your ship's movements perfectly, you need to have, like, a very good understanding of, like, where your, what your flight paths look like, you know, uh, object, objective placement, like, general sense, rock placement, general sense, which is, I know one of your favorite things is talking about rock placement and, and, and theory crafting that, or maybe it's not your favorite thing, but you won't shut up about it. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, Look, tur- so, turn zero matters now for more people. And even more. As I'm, as I'm very fond of saying, now that turn zero matters more, you all now are forced to play the game that I've been playing for the last seven years. <laughs> <laughs> this, I mean, this is my game. I mean, I've been here true. the whole time. <laughs> that's, I mean, that's true. That's very true. Um, so, yeah, like the turn zero. Like, uh, let's talk about turn zero. Like, what's... um? Uh, let's uh, actually, let's talk about general sense of turn zero. Like, you have objective placements. People have, like, come up with all sorts of charting, and it's still not, like, really well understood yet. Do you have no. anything that you've kind of, like, gotten out of in, in the time that you've been playing in 2.5 that really like seems like something that everyone should know but like doesn't um player order matters a lot when placing objectives um for everyone starting off i would say that objective placement is different for every scenario the only one it doesn't matter in is chance because you don't get to place it uh Mm -hmm. and then this comes into like generic like general overall strategies so crispy and i did a video on it i would encourage people to go find that on youtube i think it's under viper squadron go watch that video it covers a lot of the basics. Uh, but I would always start, like, for me, turn zero mm-hmm. starts with what scenario am I playing and what player number am I? And mm-hmm. so there's different strategies based on whether you are playing a hyper-defensive list that wants to split up, whether you're mm-hmm. playing a joust list that wants everyone to group up down the lane, whether you're playing a, a list that needs to flank with several pieces, etc. Mm-hmm. These are all considerations that you have to make first before going into turn zero. The other big thing is obstacle selection. Mm-hmm. 
obstacle selection uh, happens during list building for me. And generally, uh, the considerations I'm putting into obstacle, obstacle selection are, what rocks is everyone else going to be bringing? Mm -hmm. And what lists am I going to be playing against? And mm -hmm. what rocks do I not care if my stuff hits? Mm -hmm. For example, uh, I'm a huge proponent of bringing gas clouds with Han. Because as it turns out, taking one strain on Han almost never matters. Mm -hmm. And you get to roll the red die twice. So if you roll a crit twice, congratulations, you have horrific luck. But uh, yeah. odds are you'll almost never do that. So you're never becoming ionized with Han. Right. Of course. Same with, same with Rack, one of my other favorite pieces. Oh no, my decimator is strained. Whatever will I do? Right. Oh no. Yeah. That just doesn't and, matter. Yeah, so bring yeah, and then so I like to bring large obstacles because I like controlling where my opponent can and cannot access objectives from. And I will try to narrow down lanes to force them to make early decisions to be certain places. Places that I know they'll be, and that I can set up my ships to go and shoot them. Right. Right, right. But for uh, for objectives, there are uh, two main placements that I would talk about, and basically it's going to be group or split. Uh, generally speaking, you want to group objectives close together if you have a lower sh number of ships than your opponent, because you want them to be more accessible to you. Mm -hmm. And you want to split objectives when you have more ships than your opponent, because you want to split off bodies to go, like when they become damaged, split those off to go and cap points for the rest of the game. Right. and have access to them in far-off corners where your opponent has to commit resources out of the main fight to go and deal with. Right. And, and that's very important in stuff like Salvage, where if you split up uh, in, in Salvage, you can either try to put stuff close to your end, like your deployment zone, mm -hmm. or you can try to push stuff closer to the middle. Right. And the two different things go like this. Either you're going, your plan is to hold back, pick up boxes, and then split off into the engagement. Or your plan is to go into the middle, make your opponent drop all their boxes, then go pick up their boxes and try to run away with them. Right. And these two strategies are both valid, but they're more or less valid based on what your list is good at doing. For example, yeah. my Rack Vader double bomber list wants maybe one in the back for one of the bombers to pick up on turn two. Mm -hmm. But generally speaking, like Vader and Rack are just going to go run down my opponent's throat. And with all the crit generation I have, I'm just going to start removing boxes from everybody. And no one gets to touch the boxes for the rest right. of the game. Right. And it, this is also a thing in, uh, in Scramble. And in Scramble, the interesting decision is if my opponent only has, like, let's say four ships and I've got six ships, yeah. maybe I put one. Maybe I put my objective close to his deployment zone because that forces him to leave one of his four ships behind in the opening engagement yeah. to flip the switch. And I can run all of my guys right up into his forces when he's down one of his four ships. And that's important later, too, because then you can have one flanker go cap that and still be uh, advantaged 5v4 in the middle. And yeah. then he still has to get one of his four ships back there to recap it. And it just wastes a ton of his time. And it usually removes like one or two shots from his only four shots around team, which is a very, very big deal. Yeah, I was going to actually uh, like ask about that because like it's obviously not as it's obviously more nuanced than just like, hey, like, you know, just split up and go 
or, or, or keep them together depending on specific situations. And, and obviously like you've just given an example of that, but like, yeah, like the, the, the concept of like, um, the, the placement being very highly matchup dependent, I think is like very interesting, right? Because it's like, not only do you have to be aware of like how they're going to interact with each other, but you've also got to be aware with like how they're going to, um, uh, react on like a, a instance by instance basis. Right. And that's a, yeah, that's a complicated like algorithm, right? It's a complicated thing. Um, a lot of the the premises that I use to like build these ideas mm -hmm. are things that I've witnessed people doing in general. And then yeah. also like people's reaction to I'll just try stuff in my games that I play right. online. Or I'll be like, okay, if I'm going to bury this objective in the corner, what if instead of putting my rock at 3-2, I bring my rock into like 4-4 four, four, and mm -hmm. I set up a wall that's in tighter to the center but if they go for that corner objective now, if they try to turn back in, there's an entire wall of obstacles here that prevents them from uh, having a straight shot back into the into the middle. Right. And then if I put all of my ships on the opposing side of that wall, then he has to make a choice if he wants to fully split off some of his forces into that corner and fully commit away from the main engagement. Right. With some of his forces and have basically i'm forcing him to make decision of whether he wants to claim an objective or, and have zero impact on the state of combat in the game mm -hmm. or ignore the objective entirely and then st and apply pressure in the combat right and forcing people to make those choices with your rock placement with your objective placement is generally a really good idea because <laughs> if i'm forcing my opponent to make a decision between scoring points and not scoring points Yes. Or in this case, scoring guaranteed points and scoring potential points. Yes. Is the best way of putting that. Then yes. I've already succeeded in causing my like forcing my opponent to make way harder decisions than I'm making. Yes. And potentially Which making mistakes, right? That's just like the, the important thing. Absolutely. The important thing is it opens up a lot of area for unforced errors. Yes. And I and, think I think like for me, like that's one of the most important things that I've always said about X Wing is that like you should always be trying to create opportunities for the opponent to make a mistake because you can absolutely you can capitalize on right yeah the the next step past that is knowing where the common mistake is made and setting up to punish it before it's made right so like um setting a, a, good, trap, essentially. a good example yeah a good example of this is the three two rock placement that i'm fond of which yeah. is essentially placed there because if my opponent sets up as a block in the corner and does a two straight which is almost uh universally a uh, generic I don't know what you're doing, so I'm going to do this. Yes. Move. It's like a if safe bet straight, kind of move. It's it's literally this. It's the safety. I play the safety, and then I'll I'll figure out the range control next turn based on the math. Yeah. So they do that, and then they realize that they actually can't bank into the middle because that rock is blocking them from doing so. Yes. And then my ship, which is on the inside line of that rock, yeah. will now five straight because I know they can't turn in on me. And now I've gotten a free flank mm -hmm. on that group that's on the outside. Yes. And now they have a lot of weird decisions to make about where they're going to go to try to either stop me from doing that or, like, try to catch whatever ship I'm doing that with or, like, maybe turn around because there's an objective in that corner that they've left there. Yeah. They're questioning all of their life choices. Yeah. It's one of those things where if you haven't seen it happen before, 
and you don't know where your ships will end up exactly, uh, you can easily fall into this trap of, well, now I'm screwed because I'm entirely out of position yeah. based on just a rock placement you haven't seen before. Yeah, well, or like, you know, you forgot. Sometimes it's just like you just forget, too. Yeah, right? sometimes you just forget in the moment. Or um, my personal favorite example is in 1.0, there was a list called the Minox Special. And mm -hmm. the thing about the Minox Special is, is that everyone who flew with D and Farmer did the same four-move opening. Mm -hmm. The thing about this four-move opening was, is that they all did it so often that I ran into some of them online. And I had mapped out where to put my ships to flawlessly counter this entire opening. And so on like turn three or something, I end up with like Miranda blocking uh, Whisper and mm -hmm. then bombing Whisper off the table the following turn. Yeah, seems, because Whisper wouldn't be able great. to reclose. That seems not No. Great. And it's one of those things where like uh, while having practice openings is a good thing to a certain extent, Knowing when and why you're doing them is more important. Sure. Because that opening was specifically designed to buy you extra time for the Lambda to sit in the corner and essentially bait people towards you uh, where you could form a kill box. Mm -hmm. But if the opponent was just going to dive at you at maximum speed anyway, that setup was way too slow right. to like come to fruition when it needed to to catch them there. Right, And so if my opponent had seen that I had just blasted in the first round, he's like, well, you went like super fast. Maybe he's going to do that again. He could have prevented me from getting as deep as I did with mm -hmm. Miranda. But because he's like, oh, I just do this opening every time. Right. And there's a failure, like there's a failure to adapt to like an unfolding situation. Right. Then it becomes an unforced error. Whereas every other game he played with, I'm sure he had a fine time using that opening. Right. Right. Yeah. I like that you had uh, you had mapped it out. Like you'd been like, oh, so it's like that's like a chess opening counter. It's like, oh, I'm gonna. Uh, I, I know the. I know the first like fifteen moves. Is like, well, I know the counter of the first fifteen moves. Yeah. It. It was so like one point. was a lot like that though. And the only reason this worked at all was because there was video evidence of it. And I'd already watched like the same people that I play had played against there do right. the same opening in like three previous games, the exact same one. Right, right. And so like, and it, it becomes a thing. And I'm I'm sure Devin and uh, Alan Fung would tell you that the same thing happened when they started encountering Dengaru, and they mm -hmm. countered Dengaru with rock placements because they watched, uh, they they read. I don't remember whose blog it was at the time, but someone did like an open tutorial <laughs> of here's the opening for Dengaru, and this is how yes. it's played. Yeah. And of course they're like. Hey, but what if I set up these rocks like this, and then all of a sudden that opening like traps you in the side of the board where you can't do anything? Right. And then if they haven't seen it before, if they're just like, "Well, I, just, I watched this video tutorial," or like, "I wa I read a blog that told me how to do it," but they don't understand why they're doing it. Right. Then you end up in these scenarios where you're like, "Oh, I did the thing that's supposed to, you know, do this other thing." Right. But like, because they don't see it coming at all because they've never seen it before. You catch people like, oh. Yeah, you catch a lot of people doing the autopilot thing. Right. And like one of the big things for prep for me is that I generally don't have uh, locked in openings that I will do like that. Mm -hmm. I will have sets of moves that I will occasionally do or like right. I'll have rock placements that I'll repeat. But they're all for like if I see X, 
I do Y, if I T, right? If I see A, mm -hmm. I do B or whatever. That's right. And a lot of it's just like, but a lot of it right now in 2.5 is really cool because now it's all like, oh, if my opponent does this, I will do this to counter. But mm -hmm. if they don't do that, I have to do this because I need to do something else entirely. Right. Right, right. And so, like, as opposed to 1.0, where it's, okay, I win the matchup if I do X. Can right. my opponent stop me from doing X? Or, more importantly, does my opponent realize that my win condition is doing X? And what are they going to do to stop me? Hmm. Uh, it's become a, a lot more of a, my win condition will change if my opponent does this or this. And it changes right. in two completely di diverging paths. And right. so, like, con you have to be constantly reevaluating what your win condition is based yeah. on the board state, which I like a lot more because there's no more of these like, oh, I either won the game 30 minutes ago when we, you know, put the first dials down yeah. or I probably lost the game like 30 minutes ago when I put my dials sure. down and sure. now we're just going through the motions. Sure. I, I agree with your statement. I'm not, I'm not saying you're wrong. I just want to like throw the, the also, this is also a thing where like when you do, when you are losing, it's a lot it's a lot more obvious like you know you oh. might have lost because of like your own hubris or some other thing oh, but yeah. when you're behind at points in in the, in 2.5 it's it's very clear like oh no i i'm dead here like there's there's no recovery and any recovery is just a fool's it's just a fool's hope and that's actually like th that was the hardest part about playing that strategy with the boba with, with the boba rook canaan list was mm -hmm. that like I would be down like eight points or something on objectives, yeah. and the only my only way out of this is if I finish off that like two health ship, but like, do I take this pot shop shot at range three at this two health ship, or do I throw four damage to the ship in front of me? And right. the answer is like I have to throw the four damage at the ship in front of me because I have to deal more damage, and like right. the, I I'm only sitting there going like I have to maximize damage every single turn, otherwise. Right. I will hit that wall where, like, as soon as I make a uh, play a turn where I have not done like the maximum damage possible, I no longer can win the game. Right. And right. so it becomes this thing where it's like I'm fighting against the instinct to be like, oh no, I should focus down this body. And mm -hmm. my opponent's also in this like weird sense of like, oh, well, he's not shooting my damage ship, so clearly it's fine. Right. Well, and th they can also make mistakes too because, like, if they're not aware yes. that you're doing that. Like they might be like, okay, I'm gonna protect my ship that's almost dead by like yep. opening up instead of like taking an objective. When in reality, and, and that absolutely happens, they're yeah. like safe the whole time because they didn't know that you they were safe the whole time. Them. And this is the this is the thing though is that like what would happen is people would get overconfident because mm -hmm. nothing of theirs had died yet, and then they'd be like, oh, I can just come in and pincer boba and kill him. And my response to that is, here's veteran tail gunner. Two of your ships are now dead, yeah. and they go. Oh, I sh this is this is terrible. Now, like my other two ships that are also low are also on like courses that are leading them towards Boba. What do? Yeah. Um, there is a, a really solid example of this. Uh, I think it was against I don't know who was against in XTC twenty three, but I played in XTC twenty three in the final, and I had my opponent's Grievous the two and his Dirge on two, and if he had run them both away into opposing corners of the board. He would have won the game because I wouldn't have been able to catch both. Mm -hmm. But he was up in points by like I want to say like seven or so, and he had almost won the game. And but my bow was down to like four four hull, or yeah, I think it was down to like four or five hull. And he's like, oh, I'll just bring both in at the same time and kill him. But like 
I won an I uh I I won initiative, so I, I went second. Like he won the road roll, I went second. And he basically parked them in a current spot where they'd like sandwich boba between them. But then I did uh, a three bank instead of like the three straight, and I ended up with like a flawless VTG shot, range one out the front, range one out the back, and I ended up double killing his ships and winning the game. Mm-hmm. Whereas if he like taken the safe option and then like realized that his win condition was to just run. Yes. I have zero in back into that game at all, right? Right. right. Okay. And like, so my opponents like, if I kill Bob, I win the game because it's maximum destruction. But like the, which is fine, it's like one win condition. But the optimal win condition is the win condition with zero risk, right? Right. right. All right. This is a good way place to segue into um, my favorite segment of the podcast, which uh, you are fully aware of, which is great. Uh, which is the ad read, um, and so I'm gonna I'm gonna start uh, with uh, this podcast has been brought to you by Prep because you can't wing everything, as it turns out. Um, this podcast has also been brought to you by Silver Bullets, surprisingly effective against werewolves and meta choices. Um, and finally, this podcast has been brought to you by the United States. That's it. I don't want to get shot. <laughs> Oh man, it's one of those things. Where this podcast has been brought to you by uh, people talking smack about Canadian X Wing. Yeah. yeah. This podcast has also been brought to you by two ship lists. Two ship lists playing rock paper scissors since 1.0. Yep. Uh, great. I love that you have prep ones. That's really good. Um, oh, I'm I'm glad those were good enough. You thought they were prepped. Well, you know, this is the that's the that's the that's the running theme of the episode. <laughs> Nailed it. Um, so, all right, we're moving on. Um, I think that was like the, the smoothest uh, segment, uh, ad segment that we've ever done, for sure. No, no doubt about it. Um, Nailed it. Uh, so I want to now talk about the uh, creating the silver billet. Like, like the, 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 the craze hive mind, like, um, process where you go full degenerate and find the, the most disgusting combo. And like, what does that, what does that process look like? Cause I think more people need to do it. <laughs> it's fun. It's fun. I mean, like, this is one of those things where you put like a giant caveat at the beginning and you're like the silver bullet list, it doesn't always exist. Sometimes it does, but it often doesn't. And the general thing you're looking for is something that does really well into like the top two or three lists that you expect to see at a tournament. And so yeah. I'll, I'll reference the greatest silver bullet list of all time, which is Joustero in 1.0. And Joustero exists in a world where the two biggest lists that you ever saw in the meta were yeah. uh, Ghost Fen. Yes. And 100 point Miranda. Yes. And the reason it was a silver bullet to both those lists it was because it did so much damage in token denial that it would kill the entire ghost full to zero in one round. Yes. Or it would kill Miranda in one round, which is something that no other list could put in the meta could reasonably do at that mm-hmm. time. Yes. And no one else was playing it really at that time because people were either unfamiliar with it. Uh, mm-hmm. Or they've never seen it in action before because they didn't understand how the full combo worked, mm-hmm. which is 
a theme of many silver bullet lists, which is here's this dumb combo that works on a pilot that no one understands or sees coming. Um, uh, a fun combo like this would be like uh, the thing that I brought to Worlds last year, which is Moff Gideon in the TIE Fighter mm -hmm. and Decimator. Because Moff Gideon is you strain an allied ship at range zero to one of the target, or maybe one of the target, I can't remember. Yeah. And the Decimator doesn't give a fuck about strain. Just so no, 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 the, no, no yeah, cares. The combo is literally, I put, I literally use Moff Gideon's ability on my Morna Key, who was rolling zero defense dice anyway. And uh, for the price of my Morna Key doing the thing she was already doing, uh, you now no longer get tokens like or mods on your dice, period. Which is yeah. incredibly effective against like FO, for instance, or Boba. Like Kane, Boba Kanan, for instance, we're like, hey, uh, you're Boba? Yeah, no dice mods. Uh, here's like two or three double modded shots. Please take yeah. seven damage. Thank you. Yeah. That's, uh, yeah. All right. But then, but then, like, finding the dumb combo, like, why do you, this, why, this... <laughs> how does that work? Like, what, is, what, this, what do you... this comes into uh, stuff that Crispy is very fond of doing, which is the reason that I find these dumb combos to start with is that I have a penchant for breaking things mm -hmm. in general and mm -hmm. finding dumb combos to begin with because I think they're funny. Right. And so a lot of the 1.0 and 2.0 combos are just like stuff that I had theory crafted that just didn't have a place yet. Mm -hmm. So like in 2.0, the uh, the same just arrow combo that was used in 1.0, yeah. I started from a place of, Hey, um, I've been playing against a ton of token stacking lists. What if I just played the most, the absolute most token removal I could possibly put into a single list? What would that look like? Right. And so I built a list that was Old Tarak, Caleb Gadalhi, mm -hmm. uh, Tarani, Tarani yes. Koldo with the cluster missile stuff, and Gargor uh, Vim. And the premise behind it was is that. I could block people with Gargor, and then knowing where they would be, I could both bullseye them with Tarani and pull old T into range one. Mm -hmm. So I could remove all their tokens, or if they somehow got a token still with like Sunti or whatever, I could grab that token away with Paylob. Yes. And then the entire premise of it was that I would just have the most token removal. Like all no tokens for you, only tokens for me. I mean, and they have no building tokens. lists. Building lists out to those extremes lets you find silly combos like that, where you're like, for example, uh, hey, if I put Death Troopers in Seventh Sister on one Decimator, is that a terrible decision? Mm -hmm. A lot of people would say, well, yeah, Cam, because if your opponent takes a stress, then like, if you remove it with Seventh Sister, then you're not using Death Troopers. Where my response is, that's a hilarious combo, because now I just look at the board and go, all right, well, which which situation's the worst like is worse for you? Having a tractor beam or no token, or having a stress forever. And then I have all the agency in this scenario, and you have zero agency in this scenario. Right. Unless you had the option to not take the stress. At which point, then your concern becomes, okay, I now have to look at two diverging paths of what is terrible here. They're mm -hmm. both terrible. What decision do I make? Right. So and it's finding it's finding those combos where you're like, hey, what if I just made every decision bad? What if there are no good decisions to make anymore? 
What right. if the only decision you can make is trying to figure out what is the least bad? Right. And if you find a combo that forces your opponent into a corner of what is the least bad decision, that's usually one of those combos where you're like, later on, if I notice that the meta is shifted in such a way where one combo of like upgrades or a single ship's existence, like let's say uh, Moff Gideon, for example, in this instance, can just be like, hey, that meta thing that people like flying is all three agility double modded ships. Like they just have tokens everywhere. And like they, they're, they're only seeing success because no one can ever kill anything in their lists. Mm -hmm. And you go, oh, well, that's interesting. What if I brought in a pilot that said, your tokens are meaningless, and I just started killing all their ships? Right. All of a sudden, the thing that makes them good in the meta makes them terrible into the list I've chosen, which right. means my list is now the silver bullet list. I've brought a hard counter to the things that I see as the most troublesome in the meta based on a combo of things that I discovered earlier that I was looking at going, oh, hey, this really screws over X type of lists. Right. And so do you just have like a, an armory of these things? Uh, in 1.0, I did. In 2.0, I did as well. In 2.5, less so, because there's not nearly as many of them. I mean, well, there's like specific counters to like certain things. So for instance, so like the Moff Gideon example, it hard counters some things in the meta. But like, it's never going to hard counter everything in the meta. Because like, the meta is never going to be as condensed as it was in 1.0 or 2.0, mm -hmm. where it's like, the, only these three lists are like good, period. And so like, if I go to a serious tournament, if I win the first two rounds, I am likely to see either only these lists or like 80% these lists. Right. And so, okay. So you're not so you're, and, you're, so you think that that's like not a, a thing where it's like, oh, well, I definitely can bring something that will definitely hard counter the majority of the list. Because you can bring, you can bring like uh, elements. So you can, you can still bring elements of text. So for a good example of this is if uh, we end up in a meta like we did uh, last year, where for a while, the biggest meta threats are Rebel Alpha Strike and boy, and like, uh, basically boy vader right mm -hmm. and you look at those two things you know what do those things have in common right what what do they have in common steven um i don't know reliance on target locks to deal meaningful damage oh yeah that's true that's true so what's what's the counter to this jam chaff missiles Jeez. chaff missiles and jam so then you see the silver bullet list coming out from crispy which mm -hmm. is, I'm going to bring two chaff bombers yeah. and a bunch of jam to follow up. And so you're never going to be able to fire munitions, ever, usually, usually. if I get my engage off correctly. Sure. I do say usually because there's some counterplay, but the counterplay is basically you sacrifice some ships to save others, which is sure. not counterplay realistically. It, it's it's well, counterplay. It's just not like counterplay that anyone it, wants to actually it's do. Not, it's not it's not meaningful counterplay. It's what I described earlier, which is you chosen the least terrible of the two terrible options. Right. One of the one of them leads to total death. One of them leads to only partial death. How unfortunate. Right? right. But this this is this is my point though, right? Is that like uh for silver bullet lists to be effective in a meta, the meta mm -hmm. has to coalesce around either one archetype mm -hmm. or something that's shared between the archetypes at the top. And right. so like currently the reason that there aren't silver bullet meta like lists in this current meta in my opinion 
-hmm. is that the lists at the top have co have coalesced around efficiency. Mm -hmm. And like, there's nothing you can do to remove efficiency from ships, realistically. Right. Because it's based on intangibles. Like, hey, this is like X points, and it can bring this thing and do this other thing. And each of those ships is like, yeah, it just punches slightly above its points value. Right. Like, and so the only counter to that, in theory, is to bring more efficiency than your opponent. But then that's right. just the meta. So you're just contributing to the meta instead of like actually countering it in a meaningful right. way. Right. Whereas if if it was like, if Bistan was like a universal upgrade and like the meta had coalesced around, let's say Bistan on like large base turrets, yes. Then like the counterplay becomes okay. I'm gonna bring like either a dedicated jammer to like jam off the token, like jam mm -hmm. off one focus token, to make force you to make decisions. Yes. About Bistan, or I'm gonna bring like ships that just straight up remove tokens from other people. Like old Tarak might have become like a big meta force. Where like right. I can just remove all the focus tokens, and then you don't get to Bistan at all. So I'm just removing shots off your list. Right. Stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Does does do you think that like? Do you think that like if we like, I mean, so you have like you know your, your brain is clearly thinking in the realm of like let me let me take um a broken concept, and. When it becomes effective, build a list around it, right? Do you ever um, just like try to like take a like this is like a silly idea and then like try to make it work? Oh yeah, I mean I don't do it as much as I used to, but in one point we'd have all kinds of like just silly nonsense things. So for example, uh, John and I built a list uh, in one with Lieutenant Dormitz and uh, Captain Oiken. And the entire premise of it was that we would put Oiken in uh, the opponent's deployment zone on turn one. Mm -hmm. So on turn or on on turn two, sorry. So on turn two, you'd have a decimator that has crossed an enti the entire board and was now like skating along at like range one of your opponent's board edge. Right. Was it good? No, not a chance. It wasn't good at all. It was just a really funny idea. Mm -hmm. uh, in two point we had. Uh, my my favorite, which was Iman Azamin, with Electro Proton Bomb and Boba Fett crew, mm -hmm. and the entire premise was you also had uh, Tobias Beckett, which lets you move a rock at the end of uh, like rock placement, or I think it's yeah. at the end of deployment. Um, and so the entire premise is you move the Tobias Beckett rock close to wherever the largest clump of ships is, and you just point yes. Iman's butt at them, and you start the game by launching an electro like by dropping an Electro Proton Bomb that's just in their deployment zone. So it's basically like everyone must evacuate now. <laughs> like right. whatever plan you had to slow roll in here, not a chance. Like you must right, leave. Right. right, right. And like there's silly things like that where you're like, it'll probably never be useful. But like, is it a broken combo? It depends. Like, is it dumb? Absolutely, absolutely. Mm -hmm. It's it's hilariously dumb. Uh, another concept is you bring a Y-wing with electro proton bomb, and you bring Captain Nim, in extended. And your opening turn is the uh, Y-Wing has Genius, and you 4K the Y-Wing and drop the Electro Proton Bomb with Genius on turn one. And then you just hold it there for the rest of the game. And you essentially deny a, a two, like a range two bubble of the board for right. the entire game. Right. And then the instant anyone goes in there, it just explodes. Right. Unless it's a, unless you have R2-D2 uh, Republic. Oh, yeah. Yeah, of course. Of course. Because that's a very fair card.
the fairest of cards. But then that's my that's my point though, is that like is this useful? No. Like probably not. Is it hilarious? <laughs> yes. A absolutely yes. Right. Super funny stuff. And right. what the thing is that like most of those combos are just silly things, right? Like every now and then you'll run into like something truly stupid. Like, right. oh, what if I just keep Moff Gideon permacloaked forever? And right. I just have Moff Gideon, you know, who's being the clever, clever chicken man over here, and he just goes, lulls, no tokens for you, or lulls, no mods for you, for an entire game. It's it's very funny the first time, and then you realize, wait, what if I built an entire list that's just like, here's a ton of mod, like double modded shots, and right. also uh, you can't defend against them in any meaningful manner. Like, you have no right. mods against this. Right. Like, here's a ton of damage. Like, and that's what the my world's list was, right? It becomes right. the here's here's fair off to deny your other people tokens. Like, <laughs> here's here's Morna to be just a fat anvil that is uh basically just a buffer for Gideon, and also like if I put Ruthless elsewhere in the list, she's a tank for Ruthless, and here's Boy Vader who just does a million damage, mm. and now it's. I have now denied tokens from you. I'm denying mods from you. And I have three very excellent shots in terms of mods and damage. And I've shut off your defensive tokens with a silly combo that is essentially an untouchable ship. Right. And like I... permanently cloaked ships are not new. Sure. Uh, permanent, permanently cloaked ships have been around since the beginning of 2.0. In fact, the, uh, uh, the FAQ oh. entry... This is on Sicatro Vizago <laughs> is because people were playing permanently cloaked quad jumpers by uh, using Sicatro to take cloaking device off of them and give them other uh, another illicit. And so if the card isn't there, they never decloak because you never roll. You, there's there's no card there that tells you to roll at the end of the turn. Uh, anyway, and this and this is the story of how I uh, made permanently cloaking quad jumpers that also had cargo chutes, which was a very fair, I promise, the fairest, mm. truly the the fairest of things to play against. Ships that roll up and then tractor beam you, and then the following turn like move over you and rig cargo shoot you. Incredibly fair. Mm. <laughs> that um, was uh yeah, just just silly. Yeah. Yeah, those are the the battle days. Um, <laughs> let me. So okay, I mean, in, we're like in two point five, right? Like, do you th like list building is obviously very different now. Um, do you think that? Do you think that the like the way that list building is now, um, really hampers, uh, creativity? Because like, I mean, you're clearly you're clearly making all sorts of lists um, and finding all sorts of combos. But you also said that a lot of these, like, like these silver bullet combos don't really work in 2.5 now. Um, but have you felt that like, it's, it's like, um, it's like meaningfully like less creative or do you feel like it's the same or do you feel like it's, it's, it's better. Like, like, you know, with a mind, like um... with, a, with, with, with this type of like mind, like thinking, like, I really want to get, like, kind of your opinion on that. It depends on what your goals are. Um, if your goal is winning tournaments, then it's gotten much less creative, uh, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. uh, because what's happened is, is that the bottom end, in my opinion, has fallen away. Um, so, like, in 2.0, like, you could bring silly nonsense. And, like, you wouldn't do well. Like, 
I'm not saying you could like win tournaments with it, but if you knew like some dumb combo, like you could bring some dumb combo lists, and if no one knew what was going on, you could absolutely just show up to a tournament and stomp a bunch of people for no reason. Like bring permanently cloaked, cloaked quad jumpers or seven quad jumpers at the start of 2.0, for instance, or I think it might have been six. But like you could absolutely win games because like like yeah, I'm gonna attract me my own ship over here. And then that one's going to attract me your ship over there. And I'm just going to pick up all the pieces on the board and I'm going to put them back down wherever I wanted them to go. And if your opponent's not prepared for that, like, you can stomp them and they'll be like, I don't know what just happened. Mm -hmm. But, like, uh, in 2.5, the, the main thing is uh, because of the way objective play coalesces into, essentially, we're going to fight in this usually specific way or I'm going to try to fight in this specific way. And if my opponent fights in this other specific way, those two approaches are going to meet here. And then based on how many ships I have, what my efficiency level is, how many ships they have, what their efficiency level is, generally I'll come out on top or I won't. And then like, if I don't, I can do this and this. Or if I do, I can do this and this. But the thing is, is that it all has to start with, I brought probably the most efficient pieces that I could bring. Because if I didn't, then I'm starting behind in the damage race already. And on top of that, a lot of the times I cannot successfully uh, score objectives with the pieces that I've brought that aren't as efficient as my opponents. Because what ends up happening is if I can set a piece down that's two points on my side of the board. And you can't put a piece to contest me on a side objective with it, that's two points as well or can come and kill me that's more expensive than I am, then either you're stuck in a position where you either have to commit a three or four point piece to contest my two point piece. And if your four point piece can't reliably kill my two point piece, I've successfully removed essentially two points of value out of the rest of your squad and forced you to go somewhere else with it. And so now I'm forcing you to make decisions based on a list building choice that you've made that you may or may not have had no an option in. Do you know what I mean? So, like, let's say, let's look at, let's look, I'll use scum as an ex example of this because scum is in not a great spot right now. If I set down Lee Makai as a three point ship, and my opponent, and like, if my opponent sets down Keo, they're both three points. But if they were to try to, like, duel 1v1, like, one of those ships is going to be slightly better off than the other mm -hmm. in the long run, right? Mm hmm. And unless it's like Limo arbitrarily one-shotting uh, uh, Keo with a plasma torpedo off the hop or something, it's going to be Keo in almost every instance. And so you run into these like weird edge case scenarios where like because something is four points in one faction or three points in another, if another faction has access to a piece that can beat it for cheaper, then like if you run into that piece, you start off behind. So then like it forces this mentality of I should be bringing the most efficient list I can every time. Because otherwise, I'll just end up feeling bad when I put down my four pieces and I'm playing a four ship list. My opponent puts down five, and they're playing, even though they're playing five ships, almost every piece, like let's say four out of the five ships he put down, are better than three of the four of mine that I put down. Right. And that so feels horrible. So you're advocating basically that, like, you know, if, if we wanted to have, like, the, less diversity really come up again what we need to do is make sure that all three points and all like all three pointers and all four pointers are roughly the same power level regardless of faction 
Kind of, but the main thing is that like we need to buff the stuff that's under that curve up to the point where they can compete with the stuff that's that price across the board. Mm -hmm. Because like it's fine for stuff to have diversity and it's fine for stuff to have different loadout values, but if they if I have something that's the same role, like it plays the same role as uh the same piece in another faction, if my piece performs that role at the same proficiency but for a cheaper cost. If we're all forced to try to uh, perform that role, let's say in objective play, I have an objective runner that's just there to score objectives. My objective runner is Sabine. She's two points, has three agility and Beskar, which makes her both, uh, and a pilot ability that's basically supernatural reflexes, which makes her very fast, very annoying to kill in most instances, uh, three agility and a pain in the butt to like keep arc on reasonably. Sure. So I have the best I have the best objective runner in the game. So either yeah. you're forced to commit your objective runner to try to like contest Sabine, but your objective runner costs three and doesn't run objectives as good as Sabine. Right. So now my question to you is, is list diversity made better by the fact that my opponent has to now choose whether they even want to bring an objective runner because they know they can never bring one as good as one I have access to in a different faction? Or if every faction should have one very good objective running piece that they can then decide to either put in their army like in their in their squad if they need an objective runner that's comparable across all factions yeah. so those be like relatively the same as sabine or like some might do slightly different well, things I'm gonna, I'm gonna like interject there because i like i feel like I, I i understand the point that you're making and like i don't disagree with the point but I also think that like the the main problem with the example that you've given us is that Sabine is dramatically undercosted for what and they've and AMG has had like a, actually a bad time picking two point ships that are like worth two points reasonable reasonable is the they have not yet picked a two point ship that's named that is reasonable there's um, always been one like dramatic outlier when they've done so well, like, like for uh, example, I so think we're, we're the, talking contrail in the first iteration of points, right? Well, like, it's, it's a just, wild they, So let me let me like like conclude, which is yeah, basically yeah. like they Go ahead. they have picked ships that are worth two points that are named, but they also have not, and they've done it more often than they have, right? Which is like, and that's really been the problem is that like because the two point is really the Two points is such a like a really awkward sizing because it's so cheap, and if and if it provide if it's really going to provide almost no value, right? Other than additional body, right? Because um, if it's anything better than that, then like it's going to like generally even outperform usually more than like four pointers, right? Like essentially, if I have two of these two pointers, are going to do more than the, the in terms of point scoring. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So like absolutely. So like it it doesn't it the the real issue I've always felt with like because um, I also like I'm actually fine with them not having a two pointer in every single faction. But the problem is that like when they do have two pointers, they keep choosing ships that like do great stuff. Like yeah, when, when it was Contrail, when it was um uh what was the Z ninety five um uh um. Was it Blount? Blount. It wasn't yeah. Blount, was it? Was Blount it was, was Blount, points. wasn't it? Blount was two points at oh. one point, right? Yeah. When of it was like even it wasn't, it wasn't. No, I don't think it was Blount. I think it was an A wing. It was Derek. It was Derek in the A wing. 
They picked an A wing for Rebels. For I think they points. had. I think they had two. At one was point. it Blount? Was Blount two points as well? Blount was my two God. points yeah. at one point. But that's just, my, that's just silly. Like my point is, is that like yeah. you know when you have a ship that like is actually good, um, like it's good that would that would do well at three points, and you just make it two points. It just doesn't. It just doesn't doesn't strike me. Like okay, so like like for example, right? They could have picked what would have been a great two pointer for <laughs> Rebels instead of Sabine. Captain Rex. Captain or Rex. Zeb. Or Zeb. Both of them. Or, like, or Zeb. Like, Zeb is my personal choice here. And the reason I'm saying this is because I feel like the purpose of two-pointers is to run objectives. And Zeb's ability is good at one objective because he cancels crits before hits. Yes. So it's, here's your, here's your two-point objective runner. He's good at salvage. Yes. Right? That's fine. And, like, and if you had, like, different... Uh, like different objective runners in each faction. So like, oh, here's like Empire's like objective runner. It's like good at assault or something in some way, right? Yes. Like that would be way more interesting than what it is now, which is basically like, yeah, Rebels get a, a two point uh, supernatural reflexes Tie Fighter, and everyone yeah. else gets like you know normal Tie Fighters or well, something. But, but like, also what, happens what to be a Mandalorian, so it gets access to all. The oh yeah, yeah, he gets Beskar too. Like what, what on earth? And like, yeah. let's let's not even get started in why she has loadout to start with. Like, that's yes. just I'm I'm not even gonna touch that. That's like just an incredibly weird point decision that I don't understand. Sure. The the problem becomes is that when I like what most people will tell you is, oh well, you can't compare across factions, can you can't do that? And my response is always the same, which is, in every other instance of a war game that I've ever played, I have to because the the game you're playing is. If I commit X point, X number of resources, which means mm -hmm. I'm basically gambling this many points that I yes. can kill your X thing that's worth this many points. Yes. If I can, I punt, am I punching up or down? Right. Mm -hmm. Like, it, do I need to commit more resources to kill your less resource thing? And if so, should I be just not going after it? Mm -hmm. Right. Like, yes. so if I have to commit like two five point ships onto Sabine for two turns, like, what am I doing? I've committed like yeah. half my army to kill your two point nothing ship. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, and then that's where like the, the balance issues come in where it's now like, if the, if that's the premise, like it'd be like making dark curse two points. Right. Yes. Like here's an I six tie fighter that you don't get to mod attack dice against. Like yeah. it's absurdly good at scramble or something. Yeah. Right. So some, some empire player out there just, just like, uh, I was like, please, came, please. Came undone. I need this. He just he just he just fainted from like uh, from pleasure from the thought of of a dark curse. Dark at, at curse two points to two points. Yeah. But and this is this is the thing though is then like so the main thing that we're seeing now across the board is three point ships with access to double modded three die attacks. Yes. And some of those attacks are now like I five and stuff. I'm yeah, looking I've... at you, Tomax. I'm looking at you, Tomax, friend. That's also problematic. Yes. Yeah. And it's this is but this is the problem is now. It's a problem of at what points value should power levels be allocated and balanced around. Would it? Because the, the issue we run into is that, like, if certain factions, only certain factions, have access to those ships, where it's like, okay, only Empire and, like, Rebels get access to these three point ships with three die Delmont attacks, then we look at the, the meta and we go, well, that's, that's odd. I'm seeing a lot of those ships near the top of the meta lists. Right. And so, and no other ships. Weird. So let me let me right? let me let, let's back up for a second. So let's do the hypothetical, right? Um, yeah. 
would it make sense then based on what we're talking about if is like as a rule of thumb and amg is absolutely not going to do this but you know hypothetically as a rule of thumb if you and i were in charge of the in charge of the points the rule of thumb would be something like two-point chips are generally useless except for like one main or finer thing that might be useful for objectives three-point chips can have one mod but not two <laughs> and be generally useful and four-point yes. chips can have access to potentially double modded like combos yeah i would absolutely agree with that and the reasoning behind this is that like we hit you hit a point and i think we hit in this meta where you reach a uh, point where certain factions can bring so much damage to the table that other factions can no longer play the game because they're unable to bring uh, similar amounts of damage or uh, any meaningful way of defending against it, if that makes sense. So basically, we hit a damage threshold where like the game becomes like T it's like TLT all over again, right? It's you have you must have this much damage to play. Yeah. Right, and the, the damage becomes you have to be able to kill a wowing a turn. If you can't kill a wowing a turn, you don't have a game into this into this faction. I, I right? do think that is something that is happening. That well, it, it started to it started to happen actually in the previous it's, points version, but it's, it's become trending more and more that evident. way. It, it has been yeah. more and more evident that like it there's damage output. It like it's like people are like talking about health and and like whatever, but actually damage output is generally the threshold to determine whether or not a list um, is competitive. Like I'm not saying like top competitive, but like is literally can, can be considered can a competitive compete. list. If you don't have enough, it's the first thing I look at. It's like, can this list do enough damage to win a game? And if the answer to that is no, then you shelve it. Cause it's like, it's not going to work. Right. Yeah, it's um, not worth it. And so this is why uh, you'll look around. You'll notice that I don't see anyone flying three ship lists in this meta. I mean, some people are flying three ship lists, but are they flying it successfully, Stephen? I I mean, I think some people are flying it successfully. <laughs> some people are flying it successfully. Those people are either crazy or way better players than anyone else. I'm guessing. But like my my point here is that like the only reason that Boba Kanan plus one worked in the previous meta at all was because Kanan could shut down some of that offensive threshold. Yes. Whereas in the current iteration of points, Boba cannot play the game because Boba can get two rounded by almost every medalist out there. Mm -hmm. Very consistently, too. Because mm -hmm. if you look at the, like what I would consider like the top medalists, which would be uh, Vader bombers or, or rack bombers, doesn't matter which, mm -hmm. uh, Han, Luke, uh, Sabine, uh, Keo, whatever, mm -hmm. Hall or Wedge, doesn't matter. Uh, right. And triple arc plus triple arc sock Annie plus whatever you want, be it Padme or two torrents or whatever you're running, doesn't matter. Sure. Uh, the issue becomes if you look at how many double modded shots all of those ships are taking, and then you look at the defensive options against that, you go, oh, well, this is unfortunate. My large base ship evaporates in, in like at most two rounds of fire. And yeah. then if you look at the amount of damage you can deal back, you're like, okay, so let's. I roll Boba in to my range. I have a range one shot in this arc. It's going to be great. You do like, you know, three damage. Okay, mm -hmm. well, the arc has nine health because it's oddball. Mm -hmm. So you have to shoot him three times, but you're already dead, so it doesn't matter. Right? Yeah. And like, <laughs> and I'm supposed to believe that Boba's worth two and 
two uh two well, of those arcs plus the point somehow well like and like i'm I'm gonna make that back well, i don't know but i mean there's a whole okay you know what so this is what we're gonna do cam i'm gonna let you rant about scum for the last 20 minutes of the podcast this is my commitment to you. Oh, we don't. We don't have to. We don't. No, have to. we it's do. Fun. We do have to. Because because <laughs> I've to? heard I've heard the rant many many times. I, there's a lot of people who have not heard the rant, and this is a great platform for you to actually do it. That's but, that's not true. But, that's not true. I feel like everyone's heard this rant by now. No, no, no. There's people but, who you've never met that have never heard the rant. So, oh no, they don't. They don't so, need to hear this. But everyone but, like, at this at this point at this point, I think everyone would agree with me that scum is bad. Because before, at the start of the points update, when I said scum was bad, no one believed me. But now I feel like the evidence that scum is bad has been borne out for enough months in a row now that we can probably safely say that scum is just bad. So, but but why it's bad is very important. That's what the, that's what the rant is about. And so I want to give you that time. But before we get there, because we're not going to be there yet, give me another ten minutes, and then we're going to get into that, <laughs> right? Because that's sure. The, that's the lead-in for, like, the Boba Fett nine-point thing. Let's not worry about that for now, right? Um, I want to talk, like... Because, I'm, I mean, obviously you're very bitter about the scum thing, as you have every right to be. But, I, but like, I don't, I don't ever think that you're really, like, tired of this game, right? Like, I'm trying to, like, put a positive note into this podcast, because it's, <laughs> it's a lot of negativity. Um but i do feel like very strongly because i know you have very strong negative opinions but i never ever feel that you're like um that you feel like the the game itself is something that you like don't want oh, to play right to to be very clear here i'm just yeah. mad because like my personal favorite things aren't good that right now like yeah. the game is very playable currently i'm not yeah. happy with the state of the meta but like the game is still inherently a fun game Right. And, My and, annoyance and with this current is still... meta is that it's less fun if you're trying to win currently than it has been in the past. And it's still not the worst meta that we've ever seen in, in, in the game. Oh, no, but that's because we've seen some, like, truly stupid metas before. Right, no, I, I, that's what I mean, though. It's that, like, if you know, <laughs> this is, like, this meta, like, for some may feel stale, but that's also because, like, you know, it's just kind of boring in, in some ways. Right? It's also been one of the longest times between points updates we've ever had. Yes. In, so it's which it's is become, the other reason. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Um maybe like, you know, that's actually a really good point because if we had if you know, it's been 8 months. If we had uh if we had finished the meta, there'd been a points change 2 months earlier. I don't know that we would have the same complaints. Like I think 2 months oh. ago people were still like, you know, oh, we're still like in a discovery phase or whatever. Um, and then well, now people we're keep not, saying we're in a discovery phase forever. Well, we're like, not in a discovery uh, phase. I don't know. The, the answer is that, in my personal opinion, I don't think we've been in a discovery phase for about three months now. There are other sure. people who will tell you very, like, there are other people who will think differently, and that's fine. Like, oh, well, you know, like, so and so just won a tournament with this, and someone else just won a store championship with that. And my response is, that's cool. But until we see, like, a large ad adopt like adoption of whatever they flew by the like, general community, I don't think the needle well, has moved on the meta. So I so here's the pushback on this, because I actually do feel like there's a pushback. Like, so even though in your radar, the def the decimator plus bombers was like always there, I don't think oh, the yeah. greater greater population really saw so we didn't see an uptick in usage until the last like month and a half, right? 
Well, it's because so, I'm not on a podcast, Steven, so I can't declare the uh, the glory of Rack nobody, to the world. Nobody listens to me <laughs> for meta tips. But, like, but, if but that also, was the Steven, case, then Poe would be, like, dominating the fucking tournaments. But, 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 um, but also, Steven, and this is, this is the real important point, is that no one has ever listened to me ever about almost anything I've said. Well, so even when I told people at the beginning that Rack was fine, everyone was like, I don't believe you. Listen, the decimators are listen, good let's, let's, <laughs> we let's won't not, go there. Let's not get into who listened to who. <laughs> um, the, the important thing is that what I'm saying is that, like, there there has been an appreciable shift recently and I'm not saying that the meta isn't solved. What I'm saying is that, like, it is a fair argument still to say that we we were at least two months ago in a state of discovery. But I don't think we're there now. I think that all of the lists that have been discovered over the course of the last like six, seven months have now been tested in the field to an extent well enough that people can make judgments on them, right? I think um, we can make like generalized judgments. Sure. Yeah. Um, as a lot of people point out, we don't have statistical analysis to like back up these judgments. But at the same time, I would argue that we have never in the history of X-Wing had any amount of statistics that would warrant like, you know, uh, confidence in well, the valuation of to, statistics. To back your to back your to back your, your general statement thing, this is the period of time in X-Wing where we've had the most data of any of any period. Just because oh, that's not true though. Because we, no, we the, had the more games from previously. The, the length, length of, time, of time, yes, but the amount of games, no. Because there have been less games played overall. But the, the problem with... But the, the, you need both, and length of time is more important. Because... Um, it, this, is the weird, this is the weird thing, because you, you need both a lot. But the thing is that we need enough large tournaments to have like potential outbreaks of new archetypes. Do you know what I mean? Well, like, well, what the, I mean the success is... for X-Wing has always been like forced to be shown for so, like, so people with yes, yes and no. But like what I mean is that so yes in, in the past that has been true, but that was also because in the past um it was much more difficult to get um like lists online to see what what the world was playing. And now That's because true. of what what's happened with, with online play. And Crispy brought this up in his and when he was on the podcast, right? That like, you know, it is it is more of a world meta, even locally, than it ever than it has ever been. And so you even though we don't have large tournament data and we have a lot smaller sets, what I mean is because the length of the, the length of time is more important because when people see a result, they're able to iterate on that globally, and then we get progress being made every single like over time. But you need more time to do that. When you had like um, a shorter meta with a lot of more data, um, you had the numbers and the iterations were happening like sometimes like three iterations were happening simultaneously in a, in a thing, but you didn't have cohesive movement. Sometimes the meta would end before that cohesive movement coalesced into a into a truly solved meta, right? Um, so I, I don't I do feel like you know this has been like this period of time because it's been so long has Ooh. kind of resulted in the most solved of any meta that we've been in. Yeah, I, I would agree with that statement. Right. Um, and online, I'll definitely yeah. contribute as well. Uh, yeah. 100%. I would definitely right. agree with that. Right, like, you know, the, the, the differences between um, United States and England and Canada and Australia are very minor i think right um 
Oh, uh, comparatively, like to what it was in like 1.0, absolutely, hundred yes. yeah. percent. That's what because it, it used to have like weird pocket communities that would form. Like, so for instance, Dengaru came out of a single squadron. Mm -hmm. I believe it was Rook's Rook Squadron originally invented it, and then yeah. like they didn't spread it, and then we have like Paratani, which is old Para, right? And like mm -hmm. basically someone caught wind of it once, and they're like, oh, that sounds cool. I know who that is. They played it once, like this this list is insane. Like you have yeah. to try this. And then, like, it would pass basically by, like, blog posts or, like, mm -hmm. for instance, Double double Tap Dash was yeah. the reason I played Double Tap Dash at all was because one of the Foss brothers mentioned it on uh, Fly Better, mm -hmm. right? And I was like, that sounds hilarious. I want to try that list. Yeah. Right? And it was, yeah. like, one of those things where it's, like, they mentioned a combo. Like, I'd seen Double Tap Dash before because I'd asked, uh, I think it was Max I asked at Coruscant about the interaction between... Uh, like Rourke Garnet and Han Gunner. And mm -hmm. I was like, hey, um, if I like bump this to I7, right? And I shoot at I7 first and then I activate like Han Gunner or whatever, like, do I still have to choose like a different arc or whatever? Because like I technically shot before, but then like, it, yeah, it was like a weird interaction. And they're like, oh, it's it's fine. Like it interacts exactly how you expect, where like you get to shoot twice on the same arc. I'm like, won't that be like problematic in the future? Like, it'll be fine. Don't worry about it. And I was like, oh, okay, sure. Whatever, man. Um, but like you, you run into those things where like, if I had not listened to the podcast, I would have never known it existed. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because like we didn't have the we didn't have like pattern analyzer or like advanced targeting computer, and like mm -hmm. to us, like if someone had played the list once, yes, it wouldn't have shown up on MetaWing at all. Yes. Right. Yeah, for sure. And okay. so like without extra tools and like the online community to talk about it, right. like. It, it never would. It just wouldn't have been talked about, and it would. It would have never spread, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. And All so right. now, with like online community stuff, it obviously spreads. Wait, like if someone comes out with an archetype like tomorrow, like if Crispy plays a list and it's really good, and someone sees him play it, they're like, hey, you'll never guess what Crispy's playing, and then the list will just be linked all over the place. Yes. And then like exactly. people will be trying it like tomorrow or yes. whatever, right? Yes. Um. All right. We're at a good spot now. Let's, let's talk about scum oh no <laughs> all right so here's the thing it's a it's a different place now to have this conversation than four or five months ago when you were like ranting and raving uh, because as you said most people agree scum is in a bad place right it's really struggling to play like there's still like it's still very playable squad like uh, faction as you've you've said but if you want to play at a high level competitively it's very hard to make headway because the, the pieces just don't coalesce in the way that you need to make the work. And that, those are your words, right? Um, yeah. So, and, and then, you know, I, 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 I push, I push back on you, you know, for, for a long time about this as well. And I've come to the same conclusion as you. So like I'm in agreement with your position, but I don't think people really understand why that is. And like, you've broken it down in a way that is more cohesive than anybody else. And I feel, I feel like it is, um, I feel it is, it is just for you to go and rant at, at not as a way to like to convince people, but as the final word as to, as like, uh, almost like a postmortem as to why it was, even though I know that you had the answers well, well, well beforehand. Right. Um, and, and look, we know that AMG isn't going to do anything with this information, right? Like they've, they've got their own processor for deciding how things are going to work. Um, but as a community, 
I think if we better understand the the reason why it doesn't work, we're going to have a better way to look at it in the future. And I think that's that's valuable, right? So yeah. So, so everyone who's who knows you will have already heard this rant in some form or another, and that's fine, right? These people. So for, for everyone for who these, knows me, you can yeah. turn off the podcast it, now. It, it, was for, it was great. It was great listening. It was great listening, guys. I really enjoy your 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 joining us here. It was a great time. And for everybody else, Camp, tell tell us why scum, why scum doesn't work in the current meta. Okay, uh, let's start with base principles here so i'm not a game developer steven is a game developer but like that's fine i it is i i will come up with zero solutions here i may okay. suggest some but at the I same time it's fine don't worry I, about it i don't i don't care about solutions the thing i see are problems and mm -hmm. we're going to start with design principles behind the faction of scum in x-wing mm -hmm. so when mm -hmm. ffg made scum as a faction the uh, original design of Scum seemed to coalesce around the illicit slot and doing fancy things with that. And the idea was they had worse ships with worse chassis, but they had the illicit slot and the illicit slot let them do cool things, which helped make up for their terrible dials and basically terrible pilot, mediocre to terrible pilot abilities. Yeah. And also for their terrible dials, I need et cetera. To, I need to interject for non-Scum players. Um, the terminology that you're looking for is bullshit, but yeah, go on. Yeah, true. Yes, actually true. Sorry, my apologies. Uh, scum players get to do bullshit combo wing with cards. There you are. So they, they get to do they get to play combo wing, to which everyone else stared across the board and went, "That's bullshit. That yep. shouldn't be a thing that you get to do." And the scum mm -hmm. player just goes, "I don't know, man. The cards say I can, so get fucked." Um, mm -hmm. The the thing is, is that the direction that the game has gone in, mm -hmm. uh, is specifically two five. Uh, the bullshit that scum could do before usually centered around either killing your ships like your opponent's ships very effectively with like either huge alphas that do like bullshit amounts of damage because they either ignore like your defensive modifiers or they just shut down your whatever or here's a bunch of tractor tokens i'm flying seven tugboats have fun um stuff like that so there's two main uh, things that Scum have been good at and one, over the years. One's been like bullshit alpha strikes in 1.0, which I'm just going to, and I'm going to st stop here, because from this point on, I will mention that 1.0 is a very long time ago now. It was five years ago. And from 1.0, from the end of 1.0, Scum has ceased being a reasonable faction in terms of a functioning ability to play the game. Now, everyone's going to come, oh, Cam, but Scum had so much success when they were flying, like, a Seek Swarm with, like, cannons and stuff. It was really effective. And my response is, that's not borne out by tournament results. They were never a dominant metaphors. The thing you're thinking of is Octor Khan, specifically Octor Khan, winning a system open with it. That's what happened. Now, double fire spray, totally a thing. That was a thing for a while, but that was hyperspace, which is not the same thing as 2.0. Hyperspace was a niche, was a curated meta. And the reason that double fire spray was successful there and not in extended turns was because it was curated. Now, you're going to say, but Cam, Bulba Fen was so prolific at Worlds in 2019. And my response to that is, no, it wasn't. There were less than 10 total people playing it at Worlds, and only two of them made top 32. 
And the reason there were 10 players was because I believe like eight of them were from the Netherlands because the entire Netherlands like group community decided to all play it. The reason I know this is because Wouter from the Netherlands was like, oh, you're flying Boba Fett? We're all flying Boba Fett. And then all his friends came over. It was very cool. Anyway, not the point either. My point is to say that Scum has not been a dominating head force for a long time now. And the reason behind that is that Scum, as a faction, lacks innate access to passive double mods, uh, both on offense and defense. It has an extreme limitation on its access to the force, which other factions have everywhere. It has that's, incredibly well, limited... That's not true. Not everywhere. Uh, name a faction that doesn't have force everywhere. Resistance! Cool. You, you have Heroic. That's the same thing, right? Uh, I mean, it's better, <laughs> but that's not the that's not the point. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, Resistance does not, but also, at the same time, you also have Ray, who was a staple in the meta for a long time, who is still one of the best force pilots in the game. And Ray Gunner, who has also been a Ray major Gunner is very good. I will admit that. But who is who has been a major staple in the meta for a while? The last two metas, I would say. Yeah, yeah, yeah you know, yeah, no, not agree. Okay, that's fine. I don't, I don't know if I, I don't know if I, I don't, I don't know if I. Agree. But also, I mean, Ray... you have Poe, who has passive double mods. In fact, you have passive double actions, which is like in a weird way slightly better. Because you get to decide between passive double mods or double repositioning. Sure, sure. At the will. statement was the statement was specifically force. And, oh, sorry. Sure. And, and, I would say that Scum has limited access to force. Because if you're going like to say like, because if you're going to say like Ray Gunner, I'm going to say Maul, because it's like the same thing, right? I, like, whoa, whoa, no, no, no. Let's back up. No, Let's no, no, look no. At the premise of this. I'm talking about <laughs> access to force. I'm not talking about effectiveness oh, sure, or usefulness. Sure. Access to okay. force. That was your statement, and okay. that's what I'm countering. Sorry. In that case, I will retract that statement for resistance got specifically. Him. Got him, guys. I got him. Oh, got him. Sure. My point, okay. though, is that like most other factions either have a pilot that has the force that is either cheap, reasonable, and has been effective the entire time. For my example here would be Ray, who has been effective almost the entirety of 2.0 into 2.5. Would you agree with that? There was a period where Falcons were just bad in general for resistance, but I—that's I, I, not a—that's not a detractionary point. I'm just—it's more like a refinement of the point. That was a—that sure. was a points problem, not a rate problem. Yeah. So the problem with Scum is that like the only time they've had Force pilots, it's been like Maul and Ketsu, who are both large base ships. Now the issue—the issues with Scum run deeper than this. Because the thing is that every other faction, or at least most other factions, have access to cheap double-modded attacks or cheap three-agility uh, defensive ships that can be either spammed or put in onto the table that either have synergies that are built into their faction. Uh, we're talking like Rebel token sharing, Republic token sharing, CIS, calculate passing and coordinating, stuff like that. Uh, Resistance has a bunch of stuff with like coordinate and stuff that was that went around for a while. They also have Holdo, etc. They have combos that work in their faction that are designed to either support their ships or do other things. Scum, the only thing Scum had access to in 2.0 that was the best at doing stuff like that was they had the cheapest coordinators in the game. And 
that was why in 2.0 what ended up happening in scum is that it started to coalesce around a couple like large ships that did a bunch of stuff mm-hmm. and like a cheap coordinator to feed them actions because they still had no way of it getting innate double mods by themselves right by the way and so before we go on to uh, i know i was going to give you uninterrupted but i'm going to interrupt you um, no go ahead i i do like the idea of a scum of a scum, the scum faction identity instead of being random bullshit go to being like the large base faction um but i mean it requires what you're talking about which is these small cheap coordinators so that they can have action economy and be effective. or a redesign of the large base bounty hunter ships which is the the key thing is so the problem the other problem with scum right now is that uh their big movie characters are terrible um mando going from seven to six was a uh, move in the right direction but mando losing 11 of his 22 loadout was a terrible idea because as it turns out if you want things to function on large base ships you need a ton of loadout to make them work to do anything reasonable especially when they're fixed front arc only and like i5 with awful dials arguably the worst dial in the game like and it becomes one of those things where his only blues are straight before you like it's and uh almost half his i believe he has the most red maneuvers of any dial in the game i'd have to check that stat but i think it's probably either the most by percentage or the most by number because he's got let's see one two three four five six seven eight red maneuvers on his dial with only check, blue straights i'm gonna check something really quick i'm not disagreeing with that that the dial is terrible the dial is terrible i'm just gonna check one thing one thing real quick and then we're gonna and then we're gonna move on sure. because i uh I, i'm just curious about this and i don't want to let it go until i have a chance to look at it okay so um i think so it does have the most red maneuvers well it, or one mm-hmm. of the most red, but but also three of them are advanced maneuvers which is dope um, oh, so, it's very cool if it could clear stress yeah, yeah, in yeah. other ways I will without say having to staple a it, card onto it to do so. I don't think it has Which, the worst dial for blue maneuvers. I actually think that that is, that is a false statement. Um, uh, so, sure. I would say that it has the worst for blue maneuvers of any main character. Yeah, that's fair. That's fine. But but that and, but like but like, you know, like there are I think there are definitely ships that have worse dials in terms of like clearing stress. Um Sure. Anyways. Those ships usually have good maneuvers elsewhere though. Well, kind of in general. Or or they don't have incentives to stress themselves, like for example the Mando does, because its yeah. barrel roll is red. Yeah, Mando and does so the, have Mando does the have problem you run into the, the problem is is that you run into these issues with the scum ships where you're like in order to keep time on target and still have like decent dials etc you end up spending like all of their loadout just trying to fix the chassis and make the chassis feel less like you're playing with like training weights the entire time like you spend your entire build trying to fight the chassis mm-hmm. and then you have nothing left over to try to do other things and so this has led into this weird uh, mentality in some list building where you're like, okay, my my build on Mando starts with expert handling and also contraband cybernetics and also electronic baffle, which is already seven of his 10 points or 11 points or whatever. And, and then either the, all that or you're running like your one crew slot 
which should really be the child because mm -hmm. it's literally built for him. Mm -hmm. Your one crew slot is getting eaten by like uh, L337 just to try to fix his dial mm -hmm. and make it feel less terrible when you're mm -hmm. like, I had to barrel to get a shot here. Right? And yeah. the this problem isn't just a Mando problem. It's a scum problem because there are other ships like that, like the Gauntlet, for instance, which is one of the... It used to be one of the better scum ships, like with Rook, uh, until they nerfed her this last points update into the ground for no reason uh, when she'd already fallen off in play rate. But that's not the point. The point is that like the, the Gauntlet feels bad to play. And that's, in my opinion, that's the big unifying factor of scum ships is that they feel bad to fly because when everyone else is like, here's my like Millennium Falcon flying around, shooting stuff amazingly, you're like, here's my Millennium Falcon that's like throwing two-die attacks, I guess? I don't know. Like, it always feels like you're playing the worst version of the ship. Uh, which is terrible in terms of design philosophy, but we won't get into that you yet. Know, for, for a long time, I really felt the Resistance Falcon was the worst version of the Falcon. Because, That's uh, fair. Because it, it literally was the worst of the other two versions, and it's like, oh yeah, by the way, all your actions are red, and, uh, and, and you have less it was, health. It was the worst dial, and the, the worst health bar, and yeah. the worst actions, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, and, then, and then let me guess, did you try to fly the Scum Falcon once? Because this is my favorite, is people telling me that Han Solo in the Scum Falcon is good. And my response to them has always been, if you feel that Han Solo in the Falcon is good, then people are giving you free trick shots, and, and you should probably like keep that in mind when you're playing him. The, the thing is, is that on paper, the Scum Falcon is better than the Resistance Falcon, but... Really? Um, on paper. On paper. Is that because of like in points value, or why? It's because stat line the fact that it has better it has better like literally what you just said like better action bar better health like the same it's the same health but a better in my opinion though, like having and, and literally having action. the worst having a two die gun and costing so, relatively the same so, is a huge detriment so the like so you didn't need to let me finish which is like sure. on paper is better <laughs> because like the title lets you get more dice you have you have the option like to get to four dice attacks and stuff like that like the setups are there right in practice, um, in practice, uh, again, what you were saying about support, like resistance has better support pieces to offset the downsides uh, of the of the ship, um, and to make it to make it good, right? Like, but mm -hmm. whereas Han has nothing to either make his attacks more reliably three dice, um, or anything to um, uh, offset the fact that he can't double mod. Right, not 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 yeah. easily, not easily, not not easily double mod. And this yeah. is what it comes down to: is that like everyone goes, "Oh, Scum has such good like X upgrades," mm -hmm. and my response is always, "Scum has usually one good upgrade, and the rest are either unplayably bad or like irrelevant in some weird way." And it's always been this like weird balancing act of like this one Scum upgrade is very broken, and therefore it's like limited to these couple ships, and then. Or, like, it's like Maul, right? Maul is still the best force point, like, it's the best 10-point force crew in the game, right? Yes. By, I would say, probably a significant margin, but that's yes. crew. Is it the best force upgrade card in the game? No. But it adds uh -huh. a significant amount of, like, 
it adds a significant amount to the ship that's put on, as long as that ship is taking damage, and can like and doesn't care about the stress. You know it's taking what? On. I'm what actually going to say well, it is the best. It is the best um, forced crew in the game, um, because it is like, because like the idea of like you know if you don't care about stress, taking getting basically forced back every single time you get get attacked is almost like mm -hmm. a soft reinforce, which is actually like very good. Uh, and then it just adds a passive force pool to you, which is also very good. It's not the best force user in the game because Ray Gunner exists, right? So it's still yes, your point is still exactly. valid. But like, I, I he is the best crew, I think, in in the game. Uh, I don't think there's a He's better good. crew um, that has more Palp utility, is, more more that triggers. CIS Palpatine is very good in terms of trigger rate. I would agree, absolutely. Yeah. Um, the thing is that like right now. You run into the issue uh, that I was describing earlier, where it's like the chassis feel clunky outside of a few select things. And the problem with those select chassis are that they have very hard counters, uh, generally speaking, outside of the fire spray, or they're incredibly limited to like a single pilot. So let's look at the fire spray, who's everyone's been like complaining about for eons. I mean, it, it's does, been, it, it does have a great it's been chassis the best, and a great It's dial. been the best chassis in the game. Yes. The best it's literally been the best chassis in the game forever. For a yes. very long time. Yes. And the thing about this is, is that I feel like people complaining about the fire spray were mostly complaining about Boba Fett the entire time until recently when uh FFG and their infinite wisdom were like, What if we made two more fire sprays at I five and I six, put them in CIS and made them cheaper and like had more uh had more upgrade slots, access to better force crew, and bombs and stuff, because they're in CIS and are like, I think they were like 10 or 15 points cheaper than Boba to start with, for mm -hmm. unknown reasons. Mm -hmm. And everyone's response was immediately to go, why yes, I6 and I5 fire spray flown together is OP as shit, thank you FFG, this is what we always wanted in Scum 2.0. To, to be fair, I never said that. <laughs> I, I, I also said this is bullshit, for different reasons. <laughs> I mean, when I when I played a tournament on GSP with a twenty seven point bid flying those two ships, I also said this is bullshit. As I won my way into the cut you, you with know, my twenty seven you know, point you, bid, you forget to, you forget to point out the fact that one of the I fives also naturally double taps. Oh yeah, yeah, true. I, I did forget. <laughs> I did forget to mention that it naturally double taps. Yeah, this is the other thing. But like the the issue becomes now that we've moved into a like. Ship, like chassis points and loadout system is that flying two shipless is no longer a thing and the fire sprays that were so dominant before because they were so tanky are now far less relevant because they don't throw enough attacks to kill things in reasonable amounts of time and with objectives putting a timer on the number of rounds you can play in a game mm -hmm. it limits the amount of time that the fire sprays have to kill things and mm -hmm. you no longer have to kill them to win the game mm -hmm. this is a way bigger deal than most people realize not having to kill Boba Fett to win the game is a really big fucking deal. And the other part about this that is a big deal is that because fire sprays are so expensive now in general, uh, it's very hard to reasonably field them and feel good about it when everyone else has access to two chassis that either shoot two double modded three die attacks or a three cost and a four cost ship that both throw two double-modded three-die attacks at the same target, not different targets, which is better than the fire spray. Unless you're down. For the same point. 
Yeah, for the same uh, <laughs> points cost, and have two bodies to cap two different objectives, right? Yeah. yeah. And then, like, so this and this becomes this thing where it's like, okay, so let's look at the fire sprays in scum. Well, outside of Boba Fett, every other scum uh, fire spray is initiative four or lower. Yeah. And then if we go across to the other big chassis that everyone always complains about, if we look at the Fang Fighters, all of the Fang Fighters that aren't Old T and Fen are also I four and lower. Sure. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna say one thing is that, um, uh, I know that you say like like certain groups do complain about it. I actually feel like in general people's sentiment about the Fang Fighters is that like oh no let's get them let's get them more playable. Because we like them. I would, I would love to play more Fang Fighters. They're just like terrible points value right now, and they die to Han in like two shots on average. Yeah, I so, think they. Um, my 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 general sense is, consensus around Fangs has been like I think that the points is where fine where it's at, but each of them need like like another like five or six loadout each, and then I think they'll be they'll be playable at their current point value. I would vastly prefer them to just remove the torpedo slots off of every single one of them except for Joy, and then give them like ten more loadout each. That, but that's fine too. I I'm totally fine with that. Like, just like don't let them do proton torpedoes, and then just give them the, enough so they can the all take spoil, the upgrade. The word is they were never going to do proton torpedoes because yes. they can't double mod them, so there's no yeah. reason to. Yes. <laughs> and like, yes. and the the torpedo slot has barely ever seen play. In the history of the Fang Fighter, it's this... seen occasional play on Fen at I six with like ion torpedoes. Well, let me let me, like, let me actually outside like, of that, go even not further. Let's go even further. I don't think that we ever saw a torpedo again fire rhythm in media either. Like that's not really canon, is it? I don't know. I honestly couldn't tell you. Like, I'm not that familiar with. The they shouldn't the even board. have the torpedo slot to begin with. <laughs> I don't know. I honestly think like it it appeared in some of the art. And then they just stuck it on there, probably. That's, that's not or a good like, reason. That's or, not a good reason. To I mean, they could. They also could have been told by LFL they have torpedoes. I don't know. I don't know. Do you know what I mean? But sure. like at the same time, if the torpedo slot is the limiting factor here, please just tear it off. No one cares. Mm -hmm. Like straight, no one cares. And mm -hmm. right now they feel incredibly underwhelming compared to T70s because T70s can be brought at I4 plus, uh, for four points, no problem. And this is. Now we come to the next problem with scum, which is the initiative values. The average initiative value of scum per point is way the hell lower than other factions currently. Sure, this is more of a this is more of a uh, a system. This is a meta problem. thing. Like this is a then... meta game problem right now. Yeah, where yeah. no one is paying for initiative. Scum and because is, no one is scum paying is paying for the initiative. price for everyone else. Well, it's, it's mean. Yeah, it's not even scum is paying the price. Like scum doesn't like scum has a lot of i sixes. Sure, but like, are they good i sixes? Nah, well, I don't know, cause, man. Because I don't, because like, because like, CIS also is struggling and also has the same initiative problem. Like, I just, this is like not a, like, this the is two, like... the two factions that are paying points for their initiative six ships, yeah, and everyone yeah, else yeah. is like, oh, that's weird. Ours is four points, yeah, or my, like, my, ours is five, five points. My thing is more like this is not a, this is not inherently a problem with scum. This is inherently a problem with the the way that uh, initiatives are like. Um, like there's, it is there's and it isn't. So like, if you go back to the if you go back to the, the last meta where you're going Boba Fe, uh, Boba Cannon plus one, right? The plus one, unless it was Dengar, which I don't think was correct at the time, but other people thought was correct at the time. Your other plus one is like I four or lower, and Cannon's I three, 
yeah. or like I4 or whatever, right? So like if you look at it this way, like when Scum is fielding like lower amounts of ships, odds are it's like one big thing that's expensive, that's high initiative, and then like all the supporting pieces are super low initiative. There's no real supporting cast in Scum where it's like, here's my pocket I5 ace that's like three points or something that doesn't exist. Sure. And like it never really has existed as sure. a faction identity because all of the high initiative stuff is usually like, oh, here's like the leader of the X pirates or whatever. <laughs> They're high initiative and that's it. To be, to so you be get fair. stuff like Drea, who's like the leader of, I can't, I think it's the, I can't remember what pirate group she's leader of, but she's only I4, right? And so like only Cavill and uh, Lima are like I5 out of the Y wings and stuff. To- to be fair, I think that's like um, that's generally generally the truth about all factions, except that now some of them are just happen to be like it's a that's they just price them down. They shouldn't they shouldn't have been priced down in the first place in the other factions. Is more is sure, more my but point. but they currently are, and yeah, so yeah, our no, current faction, our current meta identity is everything's i five like i four plus, and yeah. like some of scums, most of scums like better ish pieces or more okay pieces. Yeah. kind of aren't or if they are like they don't fit well into a list yeah. together I, which I, is i think that and this is going to hurt my own list but i would really think that it would be better if if you were a four or three point ship um definitely if you're three point ship like but, but even if you're a four point ship i feel like you should be basically kept out at i4 for the most part um uh like unless your i5 is like really terrible right like like um What's his name? Uh, uh, Jaeger does not need to. Yeah, be. Jaeger. Jaeger no, is fine he does not at three need points. To be he's he, <laughs> no, no, he, he can be fine at I five. He's he is he does not need to be more than like three points. He is terrible at three points, so he's sure. he's, he's totally fine where he is. But like you need to be like gen, like uh, like actually bad, uh, and I five to be justified in that slot. And there's, there's a bunch of ships that are just actually good. That are four points and three points at i5 and it's just like they don't need to be there at that at that at that point 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 cost like elo like elo at four points right now like like elo at four points like uh like um uh, is, is it hollow hollows at four hollow's uh at four. kylo in the kylo in the whisper is somehow at five points Someone I mean, tell me why. If you just if you gave him less loadout, he would be fine at five points. I, I don't was, think that's he's, necessarily... he was seeing prolific play at six, and then it was dropped to five yeah, with like yeah, yeah, I yeah. believe zero loadout changes or like not so, enough to matter. So that, so that to me that was like, I think that what they wanted to do was they wanted to drop the silencer version, but they didn't want to make it the same cost, so they need to drop them both. And then so if they no. do that, but but like then they should have dropped some loadout on it or like an appreciable amount or to something. justify it. Right? Or something, yeah. Or remove a slot or something like that. Like they should have done something to make it explicitly worse, but they didn't do that. But it, that's here nor there. Um, Siege, I, of course, on Anakin, unplayable Siege. five, OP as hell at four. <laughs> yes, um, like such a weird spot. There's just a lot of like, you know, it doesn't. The the reason why we're seeing, I think, the reason why we're seeing a lot of um, initiative bloat at like the fives and sixes right now in this meta is because. So there are so many like cheap available like um, i fives at four points that why wouldn't you take them like that's the that's the thing like why wouldn't you take even them? At, like, even at three like why would you not take Tomax and Empire like you'd have to come up with a, a very good reason not to take three well, point Tomax i five double modded plasma that was even or the question I-5 with um, Raj, like, like that yeah. was the, that was the same question with the with the bro with the bros right the the tie fighter bros yeah. oh 
Yep. Right. With the boys, yeah. Yeah, like the, you with the you boys. Would, why would you not take them? Yeah. Why would you not take them? Like they're three and four points. It's seven points. It's like they they do so much damage. They 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 roll together. Yeah, exactly. Really high. So there's a lot of that where it's like, oh man, like they should have stuck to the the the, the base theory of like make all your best ships at I four, so that like mm-hmm. they always have the like so you have the best abilities, but you always have the inherent downside of like you could get out a out aced. Right. And this is this is the other problem with Scum is that mm-hmm. the only ship I think you could argue has the best ability in Scum at like the lower initiatives is Bosk in the YV six six six. As far as the other like lower initiative Scum pilots go, there's not an argument to be made there that their pilot abilities are better than their higher initiative ones, which leads into the like weird scenario where we end up with a titleless Hawks costing five points in Scum. Which is like, the fuck, <laughs> right? Like, there's no way that's worth it. One, well, they like, should, they no way. Be. That's just a mis. That's yeah. a that's a mispricing though, right? Like, because if they have no title, then they shouldn't be. There, no hop should be five it, points. Yeah, but the, this is the thing: is that like the, these things happen where you're like, okay, so why do we have like Lee McKay at three points, and then like Dre Renthal at four? Because like Dre buffs generics. Like generics aren't good. Let's yeah. let's like generics aren't good. Like if you want to play generics, why is like why is Dre Renthal four points with the same like with two less loadout than Lima? Or sorry, two more loadout than Lima. But like Lima's I five has eight points of loadout, enough for Torp or whatever. And like in my opinion, a better ability than Drea. So like shouldn't they be like the same cost? Or shouldn't like or even better, shouldn't Dre be cheaper than Lima? Well, like, you're getting into the, just you're getting into sense. you're getting into the weeds of like individual like because yeah. like you know there's lots of like examples of that and across the, all factions, people are still like calling for like justice for justice for ZZ, right? <laughs> so like, bro, you bro, know... justice for bro, justice for scum dirge man. Yeah, this yeah. is the the problem that people have is like their lack of faith in AMG, and my my annoyance with AMG is that they built a system with a bunch of levers and they keep pulling the same lever repeatedly which is just points up down and like it's not helpful when you have like here is a a a ship that exists in two factions okay Mm -hmm. in one faction it has access to the title and in my opinion and in most people's opinion an objectively better pilot ability Mm -hmm. and they're the same price in across factions and they have the same loadout in both factions Mm -hmm. and in my opinion Either one should be cheaper than the other because it has a worse pilot ability and no title, or more loadout, or it should have more loadout because it doesn't have the title and has a worse pilot ability. I agree. And so, like for me, when I'm comparing basically apples to apples, it's the same chassis, same stats, etc., same initiative, same everything. The only thing different is the pilot ability and the access to the title and the faction. So, like I understand why you didn't want him to have access to the title in Scum because Scum crew is silly. But like, and you didn't want to bounce around it. That's fine. But if you're going to give him a worse pilot ability, you could mm-hmm. throw him some extra loadout so he can actually, like, you know, do something. Mm-hmm. As opposed to like don't, everyone don't looking disagree. at Scumdurch and going like, whatever, man. Don't disagree. Like, why what I'm saying is that these are all yeah. like, these are all like, like when you're talking about like nitpicks, right? Like these are like, oh, mm-hmm. they've priced him wrong. That's a that's like that's a, that's not a the faction is is messed up. That's a they made a mistake and they need to fix it, right? Like they just Which made a mistake. Which is fair. On the, like, 
But there's there's some things in Scum where like I don't think there is a correct point value for. For example, like the tie, like the modified ties. I don't think there is a correct points value that you can have some of these at, like where it would feel fine. Because like let's let's be honest. At the end of the day, like you can go ahead and bring like Lapin in at three points. But like, mm -hmm. what do you want on a Tie Fighter for three points? Like I have to compare Lapin at three points now to Tomax Bren in the fucking Tie Bomber. Well, you so you do you do this where you 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 put it like you know how we, we talked about like making objective carriers good, right? Give them exactly. access to the illicit and 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 um and cloaking device so that it can be a good it can be a good objective person, right? Uh, the cloaking device is a weird. Also, cloaking device has been nerfed to the ground. Um, yeah, but as it's well, still but... like that. Like if you put it on like on a on a cheap Tie Fighter in Scum. Right, where sure. the it's belong, right? As you, as you, as you, as yeah. you pointed out many, many times, right? <laughs> giving at least giving everyone else solicits was a mistake. I mean, I mean, at least if it's on the Tie Fighter and Scum, that's thematically accurate. At, at least I mean, some of them have some of them have elicits and could take it, but like I would never bring them in my squad. Like there's was, there's no if reason. If it was a two pointer, then you would. If it was two points and could do it, sure, I'd at least try it. Yeah. But if I'm paying three points for a ship that's never firing, I feel like I've done something wrong. Um, what was the like the one? There's one that um in the beginning of the initiative like drops uh the initiative down to one, right or zero? Uh, it's Torkel Mux, and he was uh nerfed this last points update. Uh, heavily heavily nerfed. He's he is in fact the five point hawk that has no title. No, no. Okay, so Sevor is the one that it's like if you shoot them, then or like whatever. Sevor, Sevor jams you if you shoot him and you're not in, and you don't have him in bullseye. Okay. There, okay. there is no Tie Fighter that does anything with initiative. That's not a thing. Okay, okay, okay. All right. Fair enough. Hey, you're thinking the thing you're thinking of is the uh, the Sevor uh, Torkel combo where it was like Sevor Torkel and three Kiraz fighters. Because that was a list for a long time, for a while, yeah, and yeah, it was a yeah. very good list. And the entire premise zero, is and then jam you off, and then and then yeah. shoot you with three three die guns with focus yeah. or and predator. I think it was. Yeah, it was. It was quite good I when you managed to do one, it. I thought there was one typer that had a passive effect that didn't require shooting in order to to do something with. Um, uh, so Ahab is like the I roll more dice if you're larger than me. Yeah. And Lapin, Lapin, or Lapin, I don't know, is the while you defend or perform attack. If they're stressed, they can't be their dice can't be modified. Yeah. So Lapan's interesting, but he only has seven points of loadout, yeah. and and like he has a cannon upgrade, but like, I mean he he he's I three, yeah, yeah, and he's a Tie Fighter. So like you can just really just take Ion Cannon, which is like, and you bring HLC on, and you're just never gonna land it, or you bring and Ion Cannon, on, and you're like, I guess I might do damage sometimes, I, I but then like they still have to be stressed, okay. they still have to be stressed. Okay. I can't. It's fine, but like they still have to be stressed for it to work. It's not exciting, is what it is. Well, it's not exciting, and also like he's gonna die to an I five ship that's also three points that shoots him with like, oh, here's a double modded proton rocket. Goodbye. Oh, we're, let's ignore the faction problems and just talk about the individual ship problems. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Like the fact that uh uh fire sprays we, aren't we worth playing right now about, because they'll die before they shoot. We already talked about that I fives shouldn't be three points. True. The, right. Yeah, I mean so the, the problem with large. Let's go. Let's go. To the problem with large base ships currently, uh, yeah. which boils down to the fact that uh, the the best large base ships in Scum are like I four and I three, and yes. uh, 
there are lists out there that are running like four copies of Magpulse Warheads me, at like I six and can I ask five. you? Can I, let me ask you a question. So sure. This is this is this is. This is I think we're like diverging from the from the from the why scum scum is terrible and that's fine because like we're now reaching oh. like two hour window so we're gonna end sure. the podcast soon anyways. Um, what do you say about if we made the all of the like the large base ships cheaper um, in like scum specifically uh, uh, or and like actually any faction other than rebels, um, uh, but we limited you to one large base ship in your list that'd be interesting um i don't know if it would actually be super helpful if you didn't let them shoot twice well what i mean is like because like and when i mean like cheaper i mean like well, five points. like five points yeah like i mean that could get absurd very quickly it depends on how much load they have i guess but like yeah because because like like the, the the issue is is that for large base ships if they're too mm-hmm. cheap if they're too cheap, then you just spam. It becomes. You just you spam just, them, and you just can box people out of objectives just by existing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It just becomes like very, very NP, right? But if they're, yeah. if they're too expensive, like they are now, because the 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 idea is, I think the idea is, you get one large base ship, you get a bunch of small base ships, and you get like this like kind of like thematic like like kind of like toolbox kind of like list, but the problem is you can't price them correctly to make that happen. Like not 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 easily in scum compared to other factions like in in resistance that's very easy to do because there's always like the the way those factions set up is like one hero piece and a bunch of su- supplementary pieces right mm-hmm. um, and, uh, and it's so the like, same way right yep oh yeah it's it's the thing and so then it becomes oh well, who's my hero in scum yes is it, is it fen rao because if it's fen rao fen rao is too expensive and he dies incredibly easy to variance so yeah. If I can't build my list around supporting Fen'Rao, which I can't do, because yeah, yeah. I can't bring enough guns plus support to be useful, because yes. my pilot abilities don't support Fen'Rao, and because my pilot abilities don't support my hero character, I can't bring ships that deal damage and support. Well, it's, I it's, pick it's, the other. it's worse than that, because, like, the problem is that, like, Scum also has a lot of seven-point ships. So yes, like like when when rebels and resistance only have two or three options that are really good, right? That's okay because you're not going to usually put them in a list together because you just don't like the the lists that have Poe and Ray in a list together usually don't end up doing super great because the rest of the support pieces aren't strong enough to 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 backload the fourteen points that go into the the two hero pieces, right? So yep. Um. So the problem is that Scum has many seven point options um so it's six point options now too because a lot of them options. have gone down to six that's right a lot but, of the, but, seven, the seven point options and so down the problem six. is is that like if you make one hero piece good you're just not going to make the other hero pieces good right and so like mm-hmm. and because like you want to make them all viable and so that but that means then now you're in a place where well now i can play three or four of them and put them in a list together and that is just also not good right for, well, for anybody the thing is that like i don't think three hero pieces in a list right now is good you can do it now you can put like uh you can put three six ship uh six point uh ships and boss yeah, 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 yeah. But, but 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 the the but my point is, is that we make them good they're not good now right yeah if you try to make them good sure then like it could be overpowered yes it totally yes. could be yes sure but so they so but that's my my point is that like so 
other factions have these pieces that are good at their point cost and you see them mm -hmm. in a one thing but if you do that with scum and you make three or four of them good it causes a problem which is maybe why they're not doing that but then like it's still a problem what's, what's the What's the alternative to that? Is the question, the alternative right? is being them. They're just not it, the whole faction. Alternative is is that the whole faction's terrible. <laughs> right. So, but that's but, what I mean. So, like, what if they were? If like, had, what if the answer if, was? If you had to choose one, at that point, I would just pick one. At that point, I would just pick one hero ship, make that one hero ship good, and then just rotate which one's good every points update. Well, if they're only doing it once every eight months, that might be a long way. <laughs> I mean, it would be a long wait, but it'd be better than the current iteration, That's which is fair. none That's of them fair. are good at their points cost, like mm -hmm. at all. There aren't like there are so they're, few ships. They're in not scum that is their point value. Don't say they're not good. They're not competitive, and competitive is like a it's like a very complicated thing because they're not competitive okay. because of a number of factors, right? Like sure, I think individual let's, pieces let's do, do, look, do look potentially good. Look good. All in all. We're not okay. going to, we're not going to do the thought experiment because it's already at two fifteen, and I think we should. Oh, actually end but the it'll take it'll take like five minutes. Okay, uh, five minutes. I don't know about this. Ken. I would like I would like you I would like you to uh, imagine if you could take one pilot out of scum and pick a different faction to put it into. No, we're not doing this example. We've done this, the, and I know where this ends. And it's it's not a. I don't. I don't. I don't like this line of thinking, and I. I don't think it's. I don't think it's a. It's a good way to 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 think about the faction. So no, but also you're <laughs> right. So you, you can have your win, but we're not going to talk about it. How about that? Sure. All right. Sure. Okay. So um. Anyways, we're gonna end the podcast here because I do know where the conversation goes from here and it gets very reductive and circular quickly and we're going to spare the we're going to spare the listener that that information we'll spare we'll spare the listeners yeah yeah, yeah. especially if you've never heard this <laughs> it, it, everyone who has hazards they're they're long gone by now so it's fine um it's true uh but thank you for coming on i know that was um i know it was a long time coming to get you on the podcast and obviously we're good friends so like that's why it's very easy to make fun of him um uh you know also this also puts a target on his back because he's the best player in canada um That's <laughs> and but I, but I really appreciate you coming on and uh and talking with me um yeah man thanks for any, having me any, anything you want to like uh to shout out um before we before we head off absolutely uh shout out to grand river x-wing which is my local league uh who has managed to gain something like five players over the last year uh also shout out tristan singleton who is the uh commissioner of said league oh, hate that uh guy. he does a great job hate hate that guy everyone hates that guy no um we love tristan he's great uh and he does a great job so if you are in the kitchener waterloo area and you're listening to this and you play x-wing come out to flint's on tuesday nights and come play some x-wing have a good time mm -hmm. all right and as you as everyone else um who might if you didn't already know these podcasts come out generally Monday mornings at 7 a.m. Um, and if you're a Patreon user uh, and you're, 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 you're a Patreon payer, uh, you can view them early in video form uh, on Saturdays, Saturday evenings. Um, thank you all for listening. Hope you have a great night. And... Uh, fly better i don't know i i i'm still coming up with a it's 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 like 12 13 14 episodes in and i still don't know what the what the what the ending is so good night everyone <laughs>